This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we're talking Shazam! Oh, wow, I just got a sandwich in my hands when you said that. Shazam! Oh, the sandwich went away. Shazam. Oh, it's back. Wait a minute, I forgot my introduction! We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, hello! Abe, you're back! I'm back! Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly. We cover some various movie topics, jump into a mostly spoiler for your review, and then jump back into other film movie topics. This is episode 358. 358. 358 Shazam? Yeah. That's, uh, that's the phone number to go call for pest control. I think that's too many numbers, but I'll allow it. <laughs> but watch yourself, counselor. Yeah. Uh, this week, we are talking, in fact, Shazam. You know, we like to say our punctuation on this podcast, but I think we just emphasize the am. I think we're getting it done, right, Abe? Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, those are my initials. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Okay, so yes, we're talking Shazam. And joining us today to talk Shazam, we have, from Cinema Blend, his YouTube video of him flying had to be removed. It's Eric Eisenberg. <laughs> How's it going, guys? Also joining us from We Live Entertainment and the co-founder of the Los Angeles Online Film Critics Society. His magic word is... It's Scott Menzel. <laughs> <laughs> so many questions why did your video have to be removed and what do you turn into when you go <laughs> turn into a gremlin okay so we can't feed you past midnight but yes glad to have you guys here how how are you both doing today a uh, bit exhausted uh i just covered WonderCon and CinemaCon back to back this week uh so you know it's a little bit tired not to mention uh just coming off a bit of a flu so mm-hmm. that was fun uh yeah but other than that extremely happy to be here it's really good yeah, I'm kind of with Eric on this one. I went to the East Coast for a couple of days, went to New York to see two Broadway shows, came back, went up to Pixar for two days, then went to CinemaCon for a day, and then uh, and then I did a press conference today for Avengers Endgame. I did that as well. Well, I was also sick last week, but I also had a, lo- <laughs> I also had a lovely weekend with my lovely girlfriend. So, yeah. How about you, Abe? What did you I, do? I wasn't sick because, you know, I uh, I don't travel as often as you guys do. And I'm now very curious who's who's got the best uh, travel vlog on YouTube between Eric and uh, Scott. I'm pretty terrible at doing that kind of stuff. Uh, so uh, maybe it's probably got to be Scott. <laughs> uh, you go more places than I do. I should do, but I should be, get a lot better at that just because of the number of places I go. But uh, yeah, so criticism noted. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it, sorry it, to criticize. It, it, <laughs> Didn't it, mean it. <laughs> it is good to have you guys here. Happy to have you back on the show. And uh, yeah, we're gonna have a lot of fun tonight. We're gonna do a lot of stuff. But first up, let's get some show notes real quick. First up, happy birthday to Scott Mendelson. Belated birthday, but yes, it was a friend of the show, longtime friend of the show, Scott Mendelson's birthday this past week. And uh, yeah, good for him. <laughs> that's, all, that's all I got. That's all I got. Hey, Scott. Hashtag yeah. Mendelssohn's memos. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. What else? Uh, speaking of Scott, we have an upcoming commentary track for The Avengers. Every month we do a commentary track, and that is the plan for this month. Uh, that should be a lot of fun. It ties into a little art house movie coming out at the end of the month called Avengers Endgame. And so, yeah, we figured why not do the the first in, in that small indie series. Um, let's see. But yeah, Scott and Brandon and others will be on that track. That should be uh, good about fun. We're going to record that this week. It'll come out before the uh, arrival of the end. Uh, what else? <laughs> uh, speaking of giant things to take care of, our summer gamble is coming up, Abe. It's coming up soon, man. Yeah. Actually, let's lay let's lay out the schedule for the listeners just so they know right <laughs> hand. Right. So right now we're doing Shazam. 
We'll have an Avengers commentary coming up. We have, I presume we'll be talking Missing Link and maybe Hellboy um, for next week's episode. The week after that should be the Summer Gamble episode, uh, unless you're dying to talk, talk the uh, the curse of La Llorona. Um, I mean, who isn't? <laughs> exactly. Uh, but, um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we'll probably do it then. And then, of course, after that will be the Endgame episode, we'll kick, which will kick off the, the summer of movies. Uh, so yeah. There's a layout right there for anybody keeping score, and yeah, there, there might be some other stuff in the in the pipeline, but we'll, the we'll works. see. We'll see. Well, yeah, there's we'll, always some cool know, stuff. There's always some cool stuff, but there might be some extra cool stuff coming. But we'll see what happens. Um, yeah. All right. Follow that out of the way. Let's move on. Let's get to know everybody. Each week, we ask each other a question or two, try to set the tone for the podcast. to better get to know nobody. everybody. See, I miss you, Abe. Eh? You're not on the week. <laughs> what? Like you, like, you know, Mark tries his best, and he gives a no, everybody. You give a upbeat, no, everybody. Like, that's just what I want to hear. That's what I want to hear the show. I mean, we've been doing it for years now. It's just automatic. I like criticizing it because I know Mark listens, so he'll take this no, note. No, Mark, you do a great job when I'm not here. Good job <laughs> filling in, especially with the uh, the feedback parts. He does great feedback. I give yeah. I give him that for sure. Yeah, it's better than you, honestly. It's yeah. If sometimes anything, I go you flat. Need a, you need to take a note from him when you listen to that show. I'm gonna go baritone this week. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, anyway, I have a question for you guys. What is your favorite superhero quote? Ooh. Superheroes mm. often have a saying or something just just memorable in a film. What, what what is it? What is a quote from a superhero that you? You're uh, quite it's got to be from Inspector Gadget, and it's go go gadget uh, go go gadget arms. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite. Penny's there leading the charge as well. You know, I think I'm going to have to go kind of basic, and I'm just going to go with, I'm Batman. Like, that line really says absolutely everything it needs to say, and uh, it's delivery in every single capacity, whether it be the 89 or Christian Bale and uh, Batman Begins. Yeah, I'm a big fan, so forever, I'm Batman. Scott, you have a a line coming up to you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eric took the good, easy one. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go a little bit off, off the radar here and go. Uh, it's morphing time. Or oh, time. I like it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Sometimes it is time to morph, so it's a good. That's a good one to you know whip out. True. Yeah. Uh, mine, I feel, seems pretty straightforward because it's one of the coolest lines ever delivered in any cinema. It's Blade when he says, "Some motherfuckers are always trying to ice skate uphill." That's just a fun <laughs> line. <laughs> iconic. Iconic. <laughs> it's iconic. Yeah. What if that was like the lead to like one of the Marvel banners? Like that, like they just signal out lines, and somehow that comes up, and like little kids are like, "What just happened?" But no, yeah. little kids are gonna be way cooler for it. <laughs> they start wearing sunglasses at school. Like, what yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're gonna call each other daywalkers. It's gonna be weird. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've got a question for you guys. Mm-hmm. Philadelphia is where Shazam takes place, and at the movie, he says like, "Oh, this is a cool place to have a superhero." Where, if you guys are writing a movie, is your superhero origin? I, I like, by the way, that we have Gotham and Metropolis, but Philadelphia is just Philadelphia. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, yeah. Just exists. Philadelphia. Yeah. <laughs> that, that confused me so much. Like, there's not a DC equivalent for Philadelphia. We're just yes, straight up calling it New York. Ah, <laughs> uh, God. I'm gonna let you do this one first, Scott, so I can have time to think. Well, just reverse the last one. <laughs> uh, a cool place. You're talking about an actual city. Or it doesn't make- matter. It doesn't have to be an actual city, but just where is the uh, the origin of uh, your superhero, supervillain? I'm going to go with France. Oh, a French superhero villain or villain. Like bon like- voyage. Yeah, exactly. Bon voyage. <laughs> the wine and cheese villain. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Uh, I will go with Sydney, Australia, just because uh, 
It's a pretty kick-ass city uh, full of cool people. And uh, I can't swear that I've ever seen a superhero actually come out of Sydney, Australia before. So, uh, we're yeah. We're going to get right into that one. That. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be some obscure villains coming out of either. Isn't, hey, uh, actually, honestly, is... villain might even be the best way to go for that just because of their whole like colony of criminals origins and all that kind of stuff. So, true. Yeah, what, yeah. About, uh, story to tell there. what about Boomerang? Isn't uh, Jai Courtney? Uh... Uh, I guess, well, I don't I know mean, if he's he a villain. I mean, he's yeah, part he of the villain. Suicide Squad, too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Captain Boomerang drinking his monster energy drink. Mm-hmm. Not anymore. He's not part of it. <laughs> I'll just say Perth because there might have been a superhero from Sydney, but we don't know if there's one from <laughs> there Perth. You go. <laughs> That's for sure. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you want to count the actual birthplace of Chris Hemsworth, then maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Is Chris Hemsworth from Perth? I don't know if he's from Perth. He's from Australia. <laughs> I think we all just view Australia as one big. Just <laughs> yes. <laughs> ah, sorry, Australian listeners. Oh. Yeah, tell us, mean. tell us our geography. He's from Melbourne. Yeah. Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Got it. Where's yeah. Danny McBride from? His brother. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron, where's where's the city of your uh, of your choosing? I said Perth. Oh, you said oh, you chose Perth. Okay. <laughs> I, Perth. I thought that we were just riffing off of something else. <laughs> well, there you go. A lot of international superhero origin stories here. Yeah, we already brought the international actors to play our American superheroes. We might as well move it out outside of the, you know, outside of the. Room. I like it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah really. Makes sense. Them. Yeah. Only makes sense. Yeah. That's how we're doing it in the 2020s. In the 2020s. <laughs> That's gonna be a lot easier to say than the tens. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> it's more fun. The 2020s. The 2020s. Yeah. No, I like it. It rolls. It rolls. Yeah. It's it's gonna be Barbara Walters' comeback year. Yeah. <laughs> That's, Let's move on. That's oh, you want you know you want to stop now? <laughs> okay. That's, that's I mean, you, I could have said Hugh Downs is also going to make a cameo appearance. That's how you play. No, no everybody. Better. Let's move on. Now. Let's get to some out now quickies. Trademark. Each looking out now. We have one movie with That is trademarked. I move faster. Um, <laughs> Abe, it's been a minute. What have you seen recently? So I was uh, on some weird Spielberg kick, and I decided to watch uh, Catch Me If You Can. Still a terrific movie. Um, breezes by. It's, it's like a two-hour sum on movie, but it feels so quick. And I love those opening credit sequences created by, I don't know who created it, but also the score by John Williams is fantastic. Uh, I would highly recommend. Two and mice. then Two mice, yeah, exactly. Turn in that butter. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, naturally, you'd follow this up with another Spielberg film since you said you're on a Spielberg kick, right? It's not going to be some other film that's well, not I, Spielberg, I, I also right? That'd be ridiculous. Uh, no, Raiders of the Lost Ark, okay? Because it's on Netflix, and but uh, what call it? Did did uh, Walken get nominated for anything for for that? Probably not, right? Did what Walken get nominated? Oh, he, for got, he got a best supporting actor nomination for. Catch oh, he did. Movie. Okay, yeah. great. Yeah, he's pretty terrific in that. Um, and then uh, you guys talked about Dumbo last week, and I also saw Dumbo. Thought it was okay. I pretty much agree with everything you guys said. Where, um, you know, like Dumbo doesn't feel like it's a star, but also at the same time, uh, I I feel as though there was just some some odd character lack of development. So it's kind of weird. And the the kids are just terrible in this movie. And <laughs> I, I don't I don't normally criticize like the performances of children, so I kind of blame it on the writing. But I also maybe blame it on Tim Burton. But there she is just. She's just super monotone throughout the whole thing. It really bothered me quite a bit. Um, I don't really think there was... I, I, I will give it up to Dane DeVito. I thought he was the MVP of that. Um, I agree. Close runner-up with Colin Colin Farrell. So, um, But on the whole, yeah, it just wasn't that uh, wasn't that interesting. And it kind of had a whole bunch of like weird character turns. Um, like, Aaron, you mentioned that Michael Keaton is like one of the worst performances you've ever seen him give. 
And I would agree. And at some point, it's also like, it also felt like they were using some Batman Returns stuff because it felt like he was going Max von Shrek on, on them at the end. Uh, but for the most part, like, I don't know. I, I wouldn't give it a, a never-go-see-it-like-Mark said. I kind of would say that, you know, maybe like on TBS or whatever when you're involving laundry. <laughs> and for, there's an action involved as well. Yeah, exactly. you got to be doing something else. You, you can't just watch this movie all the way through. I know, Scott, you were a bigger <laughs> fan of Dumbo. I love Dumbo. I actually went to see it again yesterday. Hold up. Uh, I got my words. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I mean, um, I you know, it's funny because when you watch a movie for a second time, you, I feel like it feels more clear of issues that people have with it. Mm-hmm. So I would agree that the kids are not. And this is also why I hate writing reviews right away after I see a movie only once and I don't really have much time to think about it. Because it affects me because I, I grew up as a Tim Burton fan and I love his work so much. And a lot of the film really did speak to me in terms of the score by Danny Elfman and the visual. And I really did love the, you know, the, the Dumbo character. And I love, you know, Colin Farrell in the role and Danny DeVito. Um, I actually enjoyed uh, Michael Keaton for being so over the top. In fact, it actually reminded me quite a bit of a role reversal from Batman uh, returns and this movie where like Danny DeVito was so over the top as the penguin <laughs> and you know in this one it was Michael Keaton was so over the top as the bad guy I mean especially in that last scene where he's like flipping the switches and stuff like that he's just like he's just going crazy um, that being said I mean I think it's a little like long winded you know watching it again like I feel like it's a little bit longer than it should be and um, I just wasn't as um the kids kind of didn't charm me as much as they did the first time. But I mean, I think what would what, I give it like a nine, Aaron? Mm-hmm. I think I'd probably bring it down to like probably like an eight, but I still really enjoy it. Yeah, fair enough. And I just want to you know, yeah. I, I'm, I am aware that you're a fan and I just wanted to give a voice to your opinion because yeah, you know, it's, it's nice to get a mix, a range of thoughts on the film. Um, with that in mind, what else have you seen recently? Um, I saw, you know what? Cause I was, uh, I went over to New York. I saw Beetlejuice on Broadway. I mean, that does. I guess I can tie that into here. As someone that's my favorite Tim Burton movie, uh, well, if you don't count Nightmare Before Christmas, which some people don't because he didn't direct it, I was actually disappointed with the Broadway play for that, and I oh. went on opening night. <laughs> it was a weird change where it actually felt like they were trying to incorporate the TV, the animated series. Where he's more friendly and on their team. Yeah. Yeah. And like, and then they also incorporated the movie, but then they took certain things from the movie and they changed it. And then they brought a lot of stuff up to date with today's, you know, time. And I didn't feel like a lot of that worked. I felt like it, it felt almost out of character for the character of Beetlejuice, but also the supporting characters. Like, you know, Lydia was fine because she's very much Lydia's Lydia in in both the stage version and the movie version. But like the Catherine O'Hara character was was nothing like the one in the movie it was completely different well, that's unfortunate because that's a solid character especially the art that she does in the, in the yeah. film as well. right and it, it was so weird in this and then the husband was was not very good either like he was just like a sales guy it was it was very strange but going over to the movie side of things i have to recommend it considering that no one else is really talking about this movie and i'm sure you guys know which one i'm going to talk about uh unicorn store which is on netflix mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that one uh premiered on netflix on friday i feel kind of bad because you know brie larson you know this is their directorial debut 
uh, which premiered at Toronto back in 2017. And I was hoping that this movie was going to get a nice release uh, from Netflix, especially after the buzz around Captain Marvel. But instead, it almost feels like they're bearing it because she hasn't been able to do any press whatsoever for the movie because she's been doing Endgame promotion stuff now. Like she went to Disneyland on the day that it came out to, you know, help promote Endgame. And then this whole entire weekend, she talked to, you know, the people yesterday who were doing video interviews today, she's doing the press conference. And then I think they're starting their, uh, their tour today. Mm -hmm. So I feel bad because I, it's probably coming right off of Captain Marvel press as well. Yeah. And I mean, I think, you know, she's trying on Twitter to kind of like give back to the people who are watching it and like supporting it. And I mean, it's, it's interesting to see how, how this movie is finding its own like little audience, but I feel like Netflix, has done absolutely nothing to help promote it at, a, at whatsoever. And what sucks is also her co-star really can't promote it because he's probably promoting all the same properties that she's also in. Yes. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Well, Sam Jackson's kind of busy this year. So yes. He's, yeah. he's only in like 17 movies. <laughs> yeah, or yeah, yeah. And in every Capital One commercial. Right. <laughs> which he films live, which is why he's so busy. Oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, I hear what you're saying, Scott. And like, that seems like, honestly, like kind of par for the course for Netflix when it's not their kind of marquee releases yeah as far as like films that just get kind of dropped on there two three four at a time on a weekly basis it's like yeah i I get where that's coming from but yeah i i think it's i think it's a missed opportunity especially since they have someone who's a huge star on the rise right now and i i feel like they they had the opportunity to either push it back or move it up and they just they didn't do either they just kind of like left it in the middle and I feel like it'll find an audience. Don't get me wrong. I'm just, I'm just kind of sad that this is like her, her, you know, her first baby, you know, in terms of a film, and she doesn't have the time to really kind of embrace it and celebrate it. Well, as with any, you know, kind of popular or rising star, it's probably not the last time they're gonna, you know, sit on the saddle. So uh, <laughs> just gotta, gotta, I guess, think of it that way. But um, well, that's it. Uh, Eric, what else? What have you also seen recently? Uh, well, uh, similar to Abe's uh, Spielberg kick, I've actually recently been on a bit of a Stephen King adaptation kick, so uh, I've actually been going a little bit nuts with it. Uh, so I've been watching uh, Firestarter, Misery, Graveyard Shift, Dead Zone, a uh, whole bunch of different stuff. So all his comedies. Uh, yeah, right? Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's uh, as kind of well-known about Stephen King adaptations, it's definitely a mixed bag uh, there are some really really great movies and in fact actually i will just like firestarter uh was probably was the most recent one i watched and actually like i liked it way more than i actually remembered that i liked it when i was a kid uh when i first saw it like it actually like really holds tough like it actually works and like drew barrymore is surprisingly fantastic in it uh but I mean, on the she other was side like of that a child prodigy like she, yeah exactly she, she right was, yeah you know for all the things that happened kind of in the middle section of her life like the yeah. early days were pretty good for her yeah absolutely <laughs> and uh but on the other side of that you have movies like graveyard shift which uh has just it's it's frankly just awful but it's also just like weirdly like sexist and like just has not aged well into like the 21st century at all so uh yeah if you ever have the opportunity to watch graveyard shift don't did you watch Uh, maximum overdrive i did watch maximum overdrive (laughs) which uh which yeah that movie i mean that's 
I, 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 I think I'm actually taking this from somebody, but it's like basically a movie directed by uh, 10,000 pounds of cocaine. Mm-hmm. Uh, that movie's fantastic. That movie's just so over-the-top weird and awesome. Bo- both but... the movie and the trailer from Axe Overdrive are both fantastic. <laughs> yes, 100%. No, that, that movie is absolutely wonderful. And and also being a huge ACDC fan, like, love that soundtrack. Yeah, mm-hmm. forever, forever. Well, well, very cool. <laughs> so a lot of Stephen King's in there. Yes, a lot of it. Well, that gets me right into where I am because I saw the new Pet Cemetery this week, um, which I was not a fan of. Um, I'm with you on that. I, I, I'm not a huge fan of the original Pet Cemetery either. I don't know why this premise is like so hard to kind of make work as a movie, but I'll stand up for like Fred Gwynn's performance in there. Herman Munster himself, he's great in uh, the original Pet Cemetery. Terrible way for him to go. <laughs> in, the, in the original 80, 85 movie? 89. 89, 89 yeah. movie. Yeah. This one, it's 30 years later, and it's pretty similar, but I mean, that's the book. Okay. But I mean, it's. I wanted to like this, and I was thinking about this earlier because. As you know, Abe, I'm not a fan of it, so I haven't seen. So for me, I haven't seen. I, I haven't seen. I haven't, I haven't seen a good Stephen King movie in theaters since The Mist in 2007. So I'm like, all right, let's see how Pet Cemetery works. Maybe that's gonna get me going. And it, it just it didn't. Um, I think the cast is solid. Like Jason Clark and Amy Samets, they're they're well cast in the roles. They do a good job. The young um, the young actress that plays their daughter, uh, she gets a lot to do. It's kind of a reverse. To not speak too much of it, right, but it's kind right. of a reverse. Sure. The daughter gets more to do in this than this in this version than the son did in the original, um, and I think she gives a good performance as far as the different things required of her. I just and John Lithgow's solid as well. He's not necessarily as memorable as Fred Gwynn, who's putting on a whole accent and everything, but he's having, he's he's providing what you need. It just just the way it moves, it feels like it's too quick. It feels like there's it, it like Abe, I, I talked about this with with uh, the Poltergeist remake where. The original works for very good reasons. Totally forget that that was a remake. Too, I know, right? Yeah, Sam, with Sam uh, Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell. Yeah. yeah. Um, the my main issue just from the trailer is like, well, yeah, of course, like that clown doll is scary. You've designed it to look scary. Scary. Right? Right, like right. so, it's like, yeah, there's no like, it's not turn, it's not twisting any, it's not subverting anything. It just feels yeah. automatically horrorish, and that's what this movie. It feels like, well, yeah, of course, this place is evil. Every there every time you walk every time you walk through a door, there's like whispers saying "go away." Like it's like, come on, yeah. Like I, 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 there's what I think works about that story, even in the original one, is that you do get a sense of here's a family drama taking place first, and then sure. also there's this horrible thing that's going on in the woods second. And this right. one just kind of gives you right away you're stuck in this scenario where it's like, oh, this sucks. <laughs> I mean, what if the family is just really big fans of like Halloween Horror Nights? <laughs> they just that's why they moved out there. They're just oh, like, yeah, like know, it would make this would make a great maze. I'll, I'll tell you that. Like the cemetery itself, it would make a great maze at a at a theme park in Halloween. That's that's not bad. <laughs> and like it has some neat twists on the story if you know it already. So I'm like, all right, that's neat. But like overall, it's just like, eh, this is kind of kind of a mess. Um, I also saw the new uh, Claire Denis film, High Life. Actually, my first Claire Denis film that I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the, the French filmmaker who she's made many films, but this is her first English-language film that has um, has uh, Robert Pattinson, Julia Pinoche, Andre Benjamin, and Mia Goff. Um, I was into this movie. Uh, it is very different, very weird, weird sci-fi. Um, yeah. It's about a ship that's hurling, hurtling through space. There's weird stuff going on i don't want to delve too far into it uh mainly because it's both hard to explain as well as it just kind of re- you reveal a lot just by giving away certain aspects of it but mm-hmm. i was a fan i like the style here i like the there's a kind of a texture to everything that you're seeing and there's 
some very key themes going on at the same time. I'm aware that the film's deliberate pace and style is not going to be for everybody. I get that for sure. Um, so I will just say I was a big fan of this movie, High Life. That's uh, out in like limited release right now. Okay. So yeah. Uh, and if you want to talk about director kicks we've all been on, I've been on a Hitchcock kick lately. I've watched a lot of uh, old Hitchcock films. I watched uh, The Lady nice. Vanishes this weekend. I watched mm-hmm. a Foreign Correspondent a few weeks ago. I watched Psycho the other day. I watched Marnie after that. Um, they're just all, I mean, <laughs> you can't really go wrong with Hitchcock. It's <laughs> almost as if he's a, you know, a timeless director. he's a master director, yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah, almost. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, if, when, when, like, you can narrow down, like, four films that are kind of duds out of, like, the 80 you've directed, it's like, yeah, you seem, you seem like you did a pretty good job. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> but anyway, that's me. Uh, all right, that is a lot of quickies. Great, Mark. Let's move on now. Let's get to our uh, trailer talk for the week. Uh, let's talk about the newest movie trailer. Well, we thought of it when it's coming out, what have you. This week we are talking Joker, the upcoming Joker film not connected to other DC films, directed by Todd Phillips, no longer being produced by Martin Scorsese. I found that out this week. I missed that bit of information, but I kind of like that. It's gone now. It doesn't matter. Um, starring Joaquin Phoenix, Robert De Niro, Mark Maron, Zazie Beetz, Jay Wiggum, a bunch of people involved in this Joker movie. We got our first look at this footage. Let's, I'm going to go to Eric first. Eric, what would you think of the trailer for Joker? Uh, I thought it was fantastic. I actually, I, I, I will admit, uh, I'll just be straight up with it. I like Todd Phillips. I think uh, he has weird sensibilities. Uh, he has dark sensibilities. And really, from the beginning, I have this project has had my curiosity. And this trailer, I just thought, was awesome. It's like, it doesn't give us much in terms of story. It's obviously just more in terms of just, like, giving us an idea of tone. But Joaquin Phoenix looks so freaky. I mean, that's that shot of him in the locker room with his bent back over and just, like, it's all points just sticking out. And, like, the variations of the clown makeup and just basically, like, it's not, like... It's basically society that turns him into the Joker, just like ultimately drives him psychotic. And I think it just absolutely looks beautiful. It's kind of depiction of Gotham as like this 1970s New York and just that costume reveal at the end. It just yeah, it really just all not it, it just knocked me out. It, it knocked like the wind out of me. I thought it was fantastic. All right. Scott, how about you? What did you think of the trailer for Joker? I loved it, too. Um, you know, I've been looking forward to this ever since they released the first image. Um I, there's just something about it that felt different. It felt unique compared to all the other previous Jokers that we've seen. Um, it doesn't seem like it's been adapted from something, which I think is, is nice to see, especially considering with comic book movies being done so much nowadays, something that seems like a different version of this character that maybe is not directly from the page either. Um, in terms of the trailer, I mean, I love the fact that they put in that, you know, put on a happy face song in there. But it feels like, the, you know, the movie had this really interesting tone that um, I, I'm kind of mixed on Todd Phillips. But the movie felt like a mix between a Nolan movie and a Martin Scorsese film in terms of the tone. Mm-hmm. From the, and uh, I think it looked great. And I know a lot of people have been saying this online. But it really does look like Joaquin Phoenix, his performance may actually be Oscar worthy. All right, Abe. Yeah, I can definitely see the the uh, the awards attention buzz as well. I, I really like this trailer as well. I think that there was a really good, um, like a. By the time that I had finished the trailer, there was like a slow heart palpitation, which is just like, wow, I'm really blown away by this, but I'm also really scared of what I might be seeing on the screen. <laughs> um, so there's a really good sense of suspense, I suppose. That 
is uh, awarded to this trailer. I also am a fan of Todd Phillips. I like his visual style. Um, there's actually one sound in the trailer which I I really really loved, which is just a shadow of Walking Phoenix running, and then the the person kind of finally catches up to him uh, in the 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 bottom left of the frame or bottom right of the frame. Uh, but in general, it's just like this is a really like. Uh, Eric, you mentioned that it's like society that really turns him into the Joker. It's like this is like a weird like turn of events because I can slowly start to empathize with him a little mm-hmm. bit. And I just I felt bad when he gets his like you know his boar taken and then just beat up and like what you're saying. It's just like it's it's almost as if like you know he's trying to be cool with everything and then all of a sudden you know just the continuous beatdown of it all and um and then it goes into like you were never really here territory because he seems like he's got a relationship with his mom uh like on a level in which you know hey like you know don't mess with the mom and i won't mess with you kind of thing but yeah that's a great little reveal of all the joker colors toward the end of the movie um i'm really excited for this so uh regardless of what people are saying online of you know looks like a scorsese film from the past or what have you i'm just gonna let it be its own thing and i'm really gonna go in with an open mind Abe, the, the truth is, though, the real Joker is you. <laughs> I mean, when you point a finger at somebody, three point right back at you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> um, I, I'm not going to disagree any too much here. I, I think the, there is an effective piece of work in this uh, <clears throat> little trailer. I, I think it sets the tone quite, quite well. I think Joaquin Phoenix looks very good at it. I don't not expect that kind of thing when it comes to a Joaquin Phoenix lead performance in a big movie. Um, and I would say the same about Todd Phillips' ability as a director. Regardless of the quality of some of his films, I do think he's a great visual stylist. I think Hangover 2 is basically mean-spirited trash, but it looks amazing. Yeah. Like The shots of, <laughs> of, of Thailand are fantastic throughout that movie. Oh, Wally Pfister is an awesome cinemat- cinematographer. Oh, I mean, for sure, yeah. So he's clearly like... not much of a director if Transcendence is anything to go by, <laughs> but it certainly can set up a shot. And yeah, no, like, yeah, no, absolutely. Like, I'd say all three of the Hangover movies are honestly really beautiful. Like, just the yeah, desert yeah. photography is I mean, is I remember the, the first one stands out to me because of just the opening credit sequence where it's... Oh, yeah. Movie. Uh, juxtaposition back and forth between like the the seediness of what's going on versus the elegance of the wedding that's taking place like there's a lot of clever things there and as far as him delving into this kind of territory like i've seen that with like due date and the part three one honestly where it's like i think i even think i wrote this in my due date review at the time where it's like get galifianakis and phillips together to make the like character drama they clearly want to make because i (laughs) i don't need to see like lowbrow comedy when these two clearly have different desires and fortunately galifianakis has gone on to make his basket show which i think is a wonderful it's a wonderful tv series that deals with like a depressed character in a something a light humorous light uh while Phillips has clearly moved on to something like even like he kind of tapped into this war dogs which is pretty forgettable i would say but still he's kind of it's it's that transition that's slowly taking place and this like looks like the you know an actual occurrence of like okay here it is here's the director doing something that actually seems to fit what his what ideas he has what worldview he possibly wants to put out there or whatnot i have concerns if the empathy we see for the joker is going to run the wrong way with certain audience members that watch this movie but i can't really blame the film on that i just hope that there is an intriguing take on a man that's corrupted by society and um turns into the you know the prince of crime um so you know we'll see where this all goes i'm certain like the movie had my curiosity curiosity now the trailer has my attention so we'll, 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 we'll see um 
we'll see what comes up of all this. I, but yeah, I'm certainly more intrigued by what's ha- taking place than looking at DC thinking, what the hell's going on here? So yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's nice to see a lot. Of, and like just seeing a glimpse of De Niro, by the way, seemingly doing a kind of spoof on king of comedy it's like that's fun like that's <laughs> that's a no, no. and it seems and it's so intentional that yeah, you just very, like, very have, so. you kind of have to appreciate it yeah, yeah that's sure. like okay like if I, without scorsese involved this just seems like okay de niro just signed up for something which is what he does nowadays so mm-hmm. at least he seems <laughs> at least this seems like something he's involved in that makes a level of sense so he's getting uh, those paychecks man uh, yeah I'm, I'm down for that so we'll yeah. see what happens joker arrives in theaters uh, october 4th this year the uh, oh, the, Ven- the venom slot you know, that's, that's, hey, that's yeah. what I call it that's, now, right? Make a ton of money. The Venom slot. That's, yeah. That's, that's just, hopefully it's better. Let's you know? just go with hope for better. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, with all that out of the way, let's move on to our main review for another DC film, Shazam. Daily bats. I choose you as a champion. So my powers will become yours. Shazam. Wait, for real? Say okay! Say my name. Shazam! <laughs> That's crazy, right? What are your superpowers? Superpowers, dude, I don't even know how to pee in this thing. That should have been some of the trailer for Shazam. While the attempts to team up the various members of the DC Universe have led to mixed results at best, the recent output of solo features has proven more fruitful. Wonder Woman was the biggest hit of summer 2017, Aquaman netted a billion dollars over this past winter, and now we have Shazam, the original Captain Marvel. Directed by David F. Sandberg, better known for his horror films Lights Out and Annabelle Creation, the powers involved summon up the strength to deliver a clever story about young Billy Batson a troublemaking foster kid who has been chosen to wield the magical powers of a wizard to help fight evil. By saying Shazam, Billy becomes a super-powered adult, played by Zachary Levi, but with the mind of a teenager. The film has plenty of fun exploring this sort of dream concept come true. Let me jump to let me jump to Scott first. I'm, oh, I think you've, you've talked about this in many times, and you've talked about it on the show, but you, you grew up with a, an adopted family. What did you think of Shazam and how it handled that aspect and just the film in general? It's funny. I, I've kind of become known as the, the guy now in this world, in the entertainment journalism world with the adoptive family. And um, one of my friends actually said, when I saw that as part of the plot, I knew you were going to love this movie. <laughs> um, you know, and I was a big fan of Instant Family, which came out last year, which I felt was horribly marketed, mm. but the movie was really effective. And this was actually much different in terms of the the look at like foster families. Um, I feel like it was a lot more realistic and it wasn't as sentimental. Um, I guess in the same way that like instant family was like instant family took you through this whole transition of like this family adopting these kids and like the struggles of them kind of being raised. This one, was also very familiar to me because as a fa- as as someone who grew up in in a house that had so many foster kids the idea of kids running away from whether it was our family or other families is 100% accurate um a lot of a lot of foster kids come from broken homes and they don't feel comfortable being in in another environment because they feel like they don't belong 
And I really, really actually appreciated that about this film. But what I loved about it was that it didn't really kind of like beat you over the head with it. Mm -hmm. Uh, The kids kind of like had this natural like chemistry with one another. Some of them are closer to other, you know, to other characters. The little girl from This Is Us, you know, she's adorable and charming. Uh, The kid from um, Fresh Off the Boat, you know, he was kind of like more in his own little world. And Billy Baxton and, oh, God, what is that? Jack Dylan Grazer? Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Freddie. Freddie and, and uh, Billy, you know, like they had a, a, a very interesting dynamic. And um, I really, really love that. And I love how the film just reunite, you know, showcases this unique family without being showy about it. You know, there's a without giving anything away, there's, there's something that happens at the end of the movie where the family must come together. And it just it just feels so natural, you know, and we, we worked and I know this has been such a big conversation in the last year of movies being diverse and showing diversity and all this nonsense. But this movie just kind of does it so naturally. And uh, I really appreciate that. And I loved it because, again, it reminded me of my family. You know, I, I grew up in a household where I have, you know, I have African-American brothers and, uh, you know, kids with disabilities. And I really love that element of the film in terms of the movie itself big fan of david f sandberg uh i i am i will be very uh honest and say i i have been lucky enough to be quoted on all three of his films so far uh, uh, uh he's, he's made three good movies <laughs> he's made three really great movies um all of which that are very different you know even with lights out to annabelle um mm-hmm. and then this one which is you know really embraces some of his, you know, horror expertise, but at the same time, it's, it's a load of fun. I love all the references to other DC films in there, whether it's Batman or just some t-shirt designs, love that about it. Um, I've always been a big fan of Zachary Levi. I always thought that he was very underrated as an actor. This is, it's kind of shocking to me that this is the first time he's ever been a lead in a movie because I've seen him on Broadway before. I mean, he was great on that TV show, Chuck. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm amazed he hasn't done more. Um, and then in terms of like the, the film itself, in terms of how it fits into the Mar- um, not Mar- I almost said Marvel. <laughs> we know who's getting those paychecks now. That's right. That's right. You know, the DC universe. Um, I, I mean, I really do think that this might be the best one yet. You know, I, I and I'm someone who who actually did like Justice League and I did like Batman versus Superman. But, um, you know, obviously I liked Wonder Woman and Aquaman a lot more than those two films. But this one, I, I think, has the most rewatch value. Um, it's the most fun. And um, it leads you with an ending and that you just want to see more. You know, you just you just can't I cannot wait for this next one to come out already. And I've seen this movie three times, and I think it holds up well. All huh? right. Nice. Well, I'll take the reins here. I I, um, I largely agree with everything you're saying. I do think it is, if not the best, certainly one of the better of the recent DC film output. And uh, I think it is a credit to Sandberg and the screenwriter's abilities to really emphasize character here. There's a lot of kind of out there stuff as far as, you know, wizards and 
monsters and what have you, which is par for the course for superhero movies, um, not necessarily wizards, but just the nature of things. Um, and but I I like that it is very much it's still grounded in the characters, Billy Batson and Freddy. And the other foster kids, and even Mark Strong's villain, uh, uh, Thaddeus of Savannah. Um, I I like what it's doing in exploring those characters. Maybe the villain could be a bit beefed up or different or handled differently, what have you. But regard, I mean, that's just part of the course. There's you know, there's a lot of the, the regular kind of superhero nonsense that you get in these kind of movies, as far as the basic plotting of it. But I do think it handles it all quite well. And what I especially like is that Samberg. He's made a movie that I feel like if this came out in the 80s, it would be a PG kids movie, mm. but it's handled It's handled in a sense where it's like it has the kind of charm you'd expect from those kind of movies, but it also has the sense of scariness that you get in those movies. Like it's not a it, this is PG-13. And yes, I think young children would be probably too afraid of Shazam because of things that happen in it. But I would say it has the kind of ter- the kind of moments that you'd appreciate in those kind of movies that you get from those days where it's not afraid to go a little bit you know, more towards horror stuff as far as some of the monsters we see and what have you. And I think that's a benefit. I think it's a benefit to have a film that shows foster families in kind of a fairly you know grounded way while also dealing with, like, monsters and things in a way that is suitably scary. Not too scary, but suitably scary. And on top of that, you just get an irreverent comedy, which I think is just there's a lot of fun there. And as far as Sandberg specifically as a director, he's channeling a lot of Raimi in this movie. I saw a lot of oh, like, yeah. the Spider-Man films in this. Oh, totally. Sure. And just, and just even his Evil Dead films as far as how the – there's a whole scene involving an office that just looked – it reminded me right, out of, the, right yep. out of the Dr. Octopus scene in Spider-Man 2. Um, but yes, I agree. Zachary Levi, he's a lot of fun as Shazam. He brings the kind of wide-eyed – like oh my god i can't believe this is happening thing that makes it work as far as a kid being in his body i think the other kids are a lot of fun. i think jack dylan grazer might be the best thing in this movie i think he's terrific as freddy but yeah there's there's just there's and the, the third act is pretty terrific i think i think there's a lot of surprises that i personally didn't see coming even as a per- I, I don't know shazam as a character all that well so as far as things that develop I'm like oh that's a thing and that's very cool but there you know i i think aquaman did a great job last winter as far as giving you a big third act that didn't feel like it was overkill it felt like actually the movie's peaking in the third act for a change and Mm -hmm. i think the movie's pretty similar i think there's a lot of great fun that comes from the things that transpire which comes from what i was saying at the beginning the character work i think the character work led to a proper finale but uh, eric what what did you think of shazam uh, I will echo basically a lot of the sentiments that uh, you and uh, Scott shared. I think it's fantastic. And actually, I will say that definitively it is my favorite of the DCEU movies so far. Uh, honestly, the big thing that just stuck out for me is the fact that at this point, especially with the Marvel Universe now being 11 years in uh, and obviously as strong as superhero movies are these days, origin stories have become so hard just because they all basically have the exact same structure. Like, mm-hmm. and, and we're all familiar with it. It's like you have this normal person who's like struggling with their everyday life. Big thing happens where they suddenly get these powers. They figure out how to deal with these powers. Then they meet a supervillain. Uh, they realize that they can't beat the supervillain. They get defeated. Uh, so they have to kind of put the pieces back together, come back together, and then defeat the villain. And we've seen this many, many times. And at this point in the game, it really needs to be subverted in some way. It has to be changed. I think Captain Marvel actually did a really good job with that, just in terms of like mm. messing with its uh, like structure, like obviously uh, with kind of where we enter with Carol in that story. And this one, like it doesn't obviously subvert that structure in the same way. However, what it does deliver is so much new, uh, just as, as 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 has been mentioned in terms of the characters, in terms of uh, their situations, in terms of what they're dealing with, and obviously just in general, the entire concept of what 
Shazam is as a hero in like comparison to who Billy Batson is. Uh, that contrast right there just immediately creates new story opportunities. And it's just and this movie is just so much heart. Like that is really the thing that just absolutely kills me is that just it is just so heartfelt and wonderful and it, like it's so beautiful and its messaging about family is just so like well-intentioned and it ultimately just has such a great message and obviously we're not getting into spoilers but like as you mentioned though uh the third act does have some really big surprises i think the marketing uh for this one has been absolutely spectacular in the sense that i like they don't the, the trailers don't reveal anything. Uh -huh. They only, they, they really like, they like a lot of people were complaining that there was the uh, trailer that was launched during Comic-Con last year. And then I don't think there was another trailer that was launched until like March. Yeah, they waited and until people were saying like, was done to exactly. finally put something out there. Yeah. And I think a lot of people were, were like complaining. It was like, why won't you show us more of this movie? And then we walk <laughs> out of the movie and we're like, thank you for not showing us more of this movie. And I just, yeah, no. So I, uh, I was, it really took me by surprise. It really, and it does have a lot of surprises to it uh, that again, just aren't just aren't right there in the marketing materials. And yeah, I was all around very impressed. Abe, where are you at with Shazam? Wow, you guys are amazing. I, you know, I think that there's some <laughs> great parts and I think there's some, some good parts and I think there's some not so good parts, but on the whole, I kind of wasn't blown away by it. Oh I, wow! I think that it was. Uh, I think it was like the feeling that I had, and it's kind of grown since. Uh, but the feeling that I had when I was walking out of the theater was like, it's fine. Like, I think the reason why this is is because there's a lot of great elements in here. I think that the Jamon Hansu stuff, and also a lot of the uh, Billy Batson slash Freddy uh, interchange mm -hmm. when he's both Zachary Levi and also as as. Uh, uh, Billy himself, uh, I'm sorry, Angel, Angel, or Asher, Asher, Angel. Asher Angel. Yeah, so I, I like those things, and I also like the the elements of of him learning how the superhero thing works. I thought those were fantastic. They were very fun, and and the pace was very quick. Um, but I think that there's actually some weird things that happen in this, and it, we talked about it with the director David F, uh, David F uh, Sandberg, Sandberg, where it's like you know he's he comes from kind of like a darker tone thing. I like those darker tone things. I like the elements of going to the cave. I'm going to call it the Cave of Wonder, even though it's from Aladdin. I kept thinking of... Cave of Wonders, too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's got weird things in it, uh, but the Cave of Wonders, but also you have like what you mentioned, Aaron, the the boardroom scene, um, where it was very Raimi-ish and Spider-Man 2-ish kind of thing. And I dug that stuff, and then it kind of gets like a little bit more slapstick at some times. Um, and I think that there was actually some some... There's some emotional payoff that doesn't really pay off toward the end because I really wasn't as invested in some of the kids earlier on. But, I mean, all these are like – it feels like a bunch of nitpicks that I'm giving it. But I think when I'm thinking about it as a whole, it just didn't come together completely for me. I mean, I agree with you guys that there's a lot of great things in this. You know, the whole entire uh, – like how many times have you not seen – or how many times have you seen like a movie where, where like a group home or something like that is like – not the best place, you know, like even something like Angels in the Outfield where it's only like two of them. And well, I guess there's three of them, but the one of them gets adopted. Right. And then it's just like the two who can see the angels or I guess it's just Gordon Levitt. But still, it's like, you know, you don't really get a lot of like a, a family group home. And in this one right off the bat, you know, everyone's hugging everybody, calling each other brother and sister. It's fantastic. It's almost like short term 12 ish because both the parents in that group home uh, slash foster home are uh, also or children. Foster parents, foster yeah. Themselves. So it's, it's pretty cool to see that stuff, but I don't know. I mean, the second night he gets yelled at and it's like, I would also run away if I, if I also got yelled at the second night for staying out late or, or, you know, being what have you. I mean, it's not as though uh, Billy is like super mischievous, but 
Uh, I think there was just some some strange, uh, not so much like editing, but it just feels like they're they're dealing with some plot points here that felt as though it was coming back and forth to it, but they didn't really spend a whole lot of time. And sometimes they actually spent a lot of time on on certain things, like the opening sequence of this movie. I was like, I dig that this is like not even uh, who we're really mainly focused on throughout the whole entire movie. I dig that this is like an extended sequence of just something going uh, completely crazy. And I was like, I, I really uh, am into this. And as, it, as the movie continues, you get elements of that here and there, but it just feels like the pacing gets torn up uh, as you continue. Um, but I won't deny that that's, the movie's a little long. Like, I'm not, I mean, sure, I, sure. Well, yeah. I like this one quite a bit. I wouldn't say it's perfect, but it's, you know, what movie is. No, totally. Uh, but yeah, I, 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 yeah. I, I, I could say, yeah, if I had to find, like, reasons to kind of go a little down on it, yeah, I, I mean, beyond you're hitting some of the same beats, as Eric, you even mentioned, I mean, that's just kind of par for the course of this kind of film. Yeah, yeah. it does. I mean, it's a little over two hours, and it's like, yeah, there's a lot. Of yeah, yeah, there's a lot in it. And again, the things that work well are fantastic. Again, I, I completely agree with it. But I would say that, you know, as far as the ending goes, it gets a little bit, um, the CG looks a little bit strange to me. And then also um, just the way that it, it sort of concludes itself. I was like, I I could see, that seems like a, a lame kind of character twist to have happen or just like some some motive to have happen uh with uh, mark strong's character but it is what it is and uh you know ultimately maybe it, it wasn't as though i i went in with high expectations i think i just went in and maybe i was tired i don't know but uh I, yeah i came out of it probably just the most uh the most mediocre of it uh from from all you guys here i'll say the cg i mean the movie this movie costs less than the other. I mean, this is a new line film for one thing, which is already notable when I like watch it's like, all right, so, so we're getting we're getting a slightly smaller budget. And yeah, the movie does cost a little less. I'll note by the way, Shazam opened to fifty three million this weekend, mm-hmm. which yeah. is I mean, it's lower than average for like superhero movies, but it's still like for a movie of this size, like it fits that's I think the best way to kind of sum it up very quickly. Um mm-hmm. but that's it, yeah. I mean it you're going to get less of a refined look compared to some of the 200 million dollar you know superhero movies that come out on a fairly regular basis it seems these days sure Um, sure. with that in mind i would say like there's there's not a ton of action in this movie which is another thing i kind of like about it like it doesn't really it doesn't ride hard on we need to have fight scenes every 20 minutes it rides well the reason why i'm okay with that too is because he's 15 you know what i mean so it's like (laughs) he doesn't know how to fight you know what i mean so i was Mm -hmm. like i like that concept so, so if people are, are mistaking, it's like, no, no, you have to think about who Shazam is a big guy, but the person inside is a little kid. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think, Eric, I agree with you. I think the marketing for this movie has been pretty excellent as far as yeah. setting, establishing what kind of tone they're going for here. And that's, for me, that's the movie I got as far as like is getting a movie that delivers on certain senses of action versus comedy and what have you. And I would say the highlights um, beyond certain surprises that take place are largely in the middle when it's just Zachary Levi and um, Jack Dylan Grazer's characters testing Shazam's powers. I think there's yep. some just oh, it's fan, just some great comedy moments, like moments that I just laughed out loud in more than I think any other DC movie beyond some of the ridiculous stuff that happened in certain DC movies. <laughs> <laughs> I also, actually, I'm, I'm weirdly kind of a sucker for that kind of like 
getting used to your new body kind of deal. Like actually, like uh-huh. one of the most one of the most memorable moments in a Marvel movie for me is in Captain America: The First Avenger when right after Captain America first gets his powers and he's chasing after the Nazi who killed Erskine, and as he's running through the streets of New York, he turns a corner and his body just like completely just goes through a glass plane window because mm-hmm. he doesn't know how to stop himself because he doesn't know how fast he's running and it's just like I love that kind of like that kind of physical humor and this movie is just like chock full of it and obviously yeah. it's like it's a progression as he's like learning exactly what he can do and as it just grows and grows and grows and a huge credit to Zachary Levi for just like playing every single note of that just um, in my opinion just perfectly first yeah. off I'll say that Abe and I are big proponents of Captain America the First Avenger we rank it uh, quite beautiful. we rank it quite high on this yeah podcast. I love that movie and, yes. yeah as far as that scene goes no better moment is when the, the I think it's Richard Armitage. He he's the like the yes. the, the Hydra soldier. He throws a little kid in the water. And Captain yep. America looks over to rescue the kid, but the kid's like, "It's okay, I can swim." Go after yeah. him. <laughs> <laughs> it's the most like G golly moment. Of any kind of movie. <laughs> yep. um, Scott, anything anything you want to add as far as kind of the the comedy on play here? I wanted to mention with uh, what Abe was talking about with oh, the yeah. budget, with the budget. Sure. I mean. You know, I think because of the misfires that they've had, mm. you know, I think they've been a little bit more worrisome and they've been a little bit more restrictive with the budgets. I mean, we can argue um, even with Wonder Woman, you know, the budget on that one was a lot lower than all the other Zack Snyder movies. And you can really see that in that third act, which also is when I think the movie is weaker. Yes. Uh, in this movie, you know, when you look at some of the visuals and some of the special effects, you can tell, like, they're not up to par with the previous movies, especially when you look at Aquaman, where, like, the special effects, that movie got snubbed because it didn't even get nominated for really any, like, visual effects awards because it came out so late. Mm-hmm. Having it, gone through all the special features in Aquaman, by the way, it is... A shame that there wasn't more recognition for what kind of stuff was done to make them. Like, it's, regardless of my thoughts, and I like Aquaman quite a bit. Yeah. I wouldn't say it's the best movie, but like, it looks fantastic. There is so much, like, just the hair alone. That's exactly what I was going to point out. <laughs> yeah, I was like, you know, the waving hair underwater. I mean, how do you? All of, all of that is CG. They didn't yeah. do like it's it's crazy. But go and on, what's Scott. Even, and what's even more amazing? I'm uh-huh. sorry. I, I just want to say this. Like, it's also more amazing. Like, no no movie has ever been made like this. Like that kind of underwater action like, has never been done before. Mm-hmm. Like it was completely groundbreaking. So yeah, no, I completely I agree with you guys on that one for sure. Yeah, okay, Scott, keep going. And I th- and I agree with you guys too on that because it, it and it's very it was very unfortunate that that movie did not get more recognition for at least the visual aspect of the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, that being said, in, with the with Suzanne is that you know David F. Semberg didn't really have that big of movies you know before this you know Lights sure. Out I think was made for like. 10 to 15 million and then Annabelle was a little bit more but I think it was like 30 to 40 so to kind of give him like a 100 million dollar movie or whatever it was 80 million dollar movie you exactly. know it's a it's a huge it's a huge deal um but at the same time you know I think they didn't really know if this was going to sell you know that having again like I mentioned earlier with Zachary Levi not being actually in a mainstream movie before in the lead role you know, they didn't know how well this was going to do at the box office. They didn't, you know, a lot of people don't know the character. Yeah. So I think there was a lot of reservations that um, if this movie continues to do well, if they bring him back for the sequel, I think the sequel is going to have a bigger budget and the special effects will look a lot better. 
because... yeah, the, the sequel's bound to do like a Dark Knight breakout as far as like comparing the films from what I mean, regardless of how much it actually does, I think it's on t- given the reaction to the film and both critically and even by audiences. Right. And we'll see where it plays out from here, but I imagine there will be legs for at least a few weeks. Um, I, I, do, I, I wouldn't doubt that. You know, Shazam two, Shazammer is um, <laughs> title still in the works. It's gonna, right. it's gonna, it's gonna have plenty of, plenty, plenty of things to kind of gain from right. what this movie did correctly. I've got a question for you guys here, and without going too much into details of of what these are, what did you guys think of some of the creature design, or I guess um, the way that the the villain played by Mark Strong kind of uses uh his powers as far as creature design goes i will say i wish there was a little bit more time to distinguish things yeah yeah uh, based off what they are because i found that to be pretty fascinating um at the same time i did just like the idea that it's like oh these are just like crazy monster things like i don't there okay i'll put it this way there's (laughs) a there's a portion that takes place in the cave of wonders where we see other places you can go, and I was like, "What is happening yeah. here?" And I was very, in a very good way, like in a very right. like, I want to know more. I want to go to there kind of reaction, as opposed to of, I don't care about this. I'm like, that door leads to this, and I want to know what the hell happens on that door all the time now. Like that's so. As far as that kind of stuff goes, I felt the same way about these creatures. Like, all right, there's something here, and I, I wish I could see more of it, but I like what you're doing. I'm the same way. I like, and I, I think I, I think you said it right. Is that uh, like you kind of do wish there was a bit more distinction, uh, especially because like there is a distinction there, mm-hmm. like within name. Again, this is like me trying to do my best not to give too much away. Okay. Uh, but like there is easy distinction to be made just with who all of those kind of monsters are yeah. that isn't necessarily fitting or that doesn't necessarily come through. That being said, though, like they are certainly effective. I mean, the, the board scene, the boardroom scene has been mentioned already here. And like, it's scary. Like, it's a legitimate scary moment that like yeah. I and that I really appreciate in a mostly light film. And uh, yeah, like, I think it's really effective. And I like I like you, like you were saying earlier. And I just think that it, it, it really works just within the context of this movie. Yeah, and I, I mean, I, I would say that the villain itself, you know, Mark Strong's villain, you know, it, it has a nice, like, backstory. You know, it's not, like, too too much of it, but it gives you enough backstory. The movie opens up with his character, and you kind of get to see him, uh, you know, visit the whole Cave of Wonders, blah, blah, blah. And, but when he grows up, you know, he's kind of, like, he's still, like, in revenge mode. And I, and I really thought it was interesting how they developed his character. Yeah. This is an open question, too. Uh, how long is too long to hold the grudge against your dad? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you seem pretty successful. <laughs> I kept thinking, okay, I don't know. I, I guess what I have to go with is, like, Mark Strong knows how to sell this kind of thing. Like, yes. yeah. It's impressive yeah. to me that Mark Strong has played this type of character many times, but it doesn't get old to me. Like, it just yeah. keeps That's working. Just like credit his, his acting craft. Yeah, we're, no, no, no. Mark Strong's a friend of the show. We, we, Mark, we, Mark and us go way back. But, yeah. I mean, he's he, he does this thing quite well, where I think certain other character actors that continually play certain villains... Uh, Christoph Waltz comes to mind, actually. Like, it's just like, all right, we could... I, I can bear to see you do something a little bit different here. Sure. Uh, where Mark Strong's like, oh, yeah, I like Mark Strong. Like, I, I can keep doing this thing. Like, it uh, just works. I, I was going to say that, too. I think that the character development of the villain is stronger in this movie. But the the character himself, itself, himself, 
is not very good. It's just that Mark Strong elevates it to oh, a level yeah, in which it's like, yes. oh, wow. Definitely. You know what? This guy is like a loser, but at the same time, like Mark Strong just giving it everything. And I'm with it. Just the same way that he did it like in Kick-Ass or in something else where it's just like, super, like he Green has a Lantern. super small role <laughs> in in uh, Zero Dark Thirty. Uh-huh. And he kills it in that role. So there's just a lot of great things that Mark Strong does. And again, this character is just, he's hes okay. But um, I would say that, yeah, I, Mark Strong is just destroying it. Also, speaking of, speaking of the veteran actors yeah. for a second, I'll say Jaimon Hansu, I think is fantastic. I love such a And I love how good of a choice that feels to me as far as, you know, you could, there's, I think there are some requisite older white actors you could get to play this kind of role but it's like Jaimon Hansu seems like such a fun left field choice like yeah. to the point where I don't care that he's already like also in like the Marvel Universe I'm just like great <laughs> yeah more Jaimon is makes me happy like I'm a huge Jaimon Hansu fan. I agree yeah. Jaimon Hansu's been great for over 20 years decades now yeah, yeah so and he, and he has multiple Oscar nominations to prove it but I mean yeah. it's like this guy coming in playing a bearded wizard is such a fun like yes I want I want to see that all the time and so it's he's like got, yeah. he's got great lines that uh just breeze by because he's a wizard but you know when he says like hold my staff and you know doesn't skip a beat <laughs> but it's, it's... he's got some good readings like it's the kind of thing where like you wouldn't necessarily like you think of like you know, uh, what's it? What's the Cher- Jim Sheridan movie? Um, that's gonna fuck me. You got That's what we're saying. What? In America? In America. You think? I think of like in America, Jamaatsu, and I'm like, now he's a wizard. <laughs> it's like it's great that this has happened. <laughs> yeah. Uh, question for you guys: What was what was your thoughts on the character turn for Billy Batson? You know, his personal journey. You know, it's funny. There's like three highlights in this movie for me, and one of them is is that storyline. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, in the beginning of the film, it sets it up. You know, I'm trying not to spoil it. Right. You know, it sets it up where you think it's going to go one way. And, you know, and, and the way that it kind of comes together is shows you completely, you know, in, in a loop. And the scene, <laughs> it's so hard to talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> Do the best you can. <laughs> so, so. There's a scene where they go to a building after they discover some information, and the interaction that happens in this scene uh, is really is so heartbreaking. Uh, and, and I feel like he gets to see, this character gets to see that what he thought he wanted turns out to be a, you know, a fake. Right. And then he gets to really establish and appreciate what he he has been given in his foster family. And I thought that was wonderful. Um, you know, and again, like I said, in the beginning of the movie, you just kind of think that, I guess it's not really a spoiler because they kind of show it, you know, like you just think that the kid's lost, you know, like mm-hmm. the parents and, you know, didn't mean to lose them. And then it goes in this different direction. And I mean, th- that conversation that happens in, outside those in, in that building like that that's just heartbreaking thinking about oh, yeah. it. the back yeah. and forth that he has and you, there's this whole thing with like this little um what was that like a compass yeah it's like a, a compass, ball. Yeah. yeah like that was just you know that was heartbreaking i'm just i'm glad that the will smith dad scene's finally been adapted to a major motion picture that's <laughs> You know, it's um, weird when you mentioned the compass thing. It's it's weird that both the the main characters, like the the hero and the villain, both have orbs that they they look to. So it, yeah. just 
about that right now. Nice parallels. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I mean, I agree. I do think there's the, the way that main storyline wraps itself up is a great kind of way to place more urgency on the Shazam aspect of things. Like it, it does a great job of, of showing you this hero's journey in a light that you don't normally see it from as far as where somebody's coming from. And mm-hmm. I think it's it's handled well. And Asher Angel, who I don't know, I'm sure he's on some Disney show. Like <laughs> he does a, he does a really good job. Like, I'm probably not wrong. It's either Nickelodeon or Disney. I'm siding with Disney. Uh, <laughs> he does a great job. But I want to get back to Jack Dylan Grazer, who I think sure. is also terrific in this movie. He has such a he. So he plays like the like a kid that's obsessed with superheroes, yeah. and that's something I really like seeing in this universe. Since this is connected to the other DC films, you get you get a character who's seen you know presumably from the news. It's just, and he's just in, a, in the internet. It's just been obsessing over the idea that superheroes exist now. That there right. is a Superman. That there is a Batman. He has a Batman backpack. He wears a Superman shirt. He's got he all has, this memorabilia. He has memorabilia from yeah. battle sites that these characters have actually fought in. Right. He's obsessed with this. And now his new brother has become a superhero. It's such a and so like seeing the kind of glee he gets from that, as well as exploring what that dynamic becomes once you see kind of the other sides of what that is. When right. Billy's not, he's. There's parts of it where he's not taking it as quote unquote seriously as maybe Freddie would like him to. Like that's a fun thing to see. But through all that, you get a kid, and he's disabled as well, who gets to like have a fully realized character as far as who he is in this world, how he yeah. how self aware he is of that fact, mm-hmm. and th- where it takes him in the by the end of this movie. I think is just some really fascinating territory. Yeah. I, I really liked his character, too. I think that there's actually a moment in the movie where I thought that it could have gone in a cool, like, like good guy, bad guy scenario way. And I was like, uh, I don't think they're going to do that. And I'm glad that they didn't because it wouldn't have made a whole lot of sense. But um, and also the character payoff toward the end is, is much better for Jack Dylan Grazer um, than the way that I maybe have thought about it. But I will say that um, what you call it? Um, yeah, he's a hoot in this movie, and I like the. There's actually a long-running gag in this movie that that finally has a payoff toward the end, and there's like a facial reaction that he makes, Jack Dylan Glazer, and I was like, I love his reaction there because it's almost like a super genuine reaction. I was like, I hope that they did that the first day of shooting because that would have been fantastic, just the way that he like slaps his face or whatever the case is. But um, yeah, I think that it's really fun for him to to kind of be like. He, it's almost like in Scream, who's like, who's the guy who just knows everything about Randy? Well, Jimmy Kennedy. Randy, yeah. Kennedy. yeah. Whereas like it becomes meta, but at the same time it's like, no, we know that everything exists because he has the newspaper clippings. He he's seen the footage. You know, this is a world where superheroes do exist, except they're they're just in Gotham and New York and Metropolis, and not in Philadelphia, except for where, where Rocky came from. So, Eric, Eric, any thoughts on the uh, the kind of the kid characters here? Yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, I will just say just on, in terms of Jack Dylan Grazer, part of what I just had a super appreciation for, appreciation for in his performance is that it's so different than his performance in It, uh, which I, <laughs> unlike you, Aaron, I actually loved. I, I think that movie is fantastic. I know, I, I know um, many people loved it. I'm a yeah, <laughs> but I mean, but like in, in, when he's playing Eddie Casper, I mean, he's like this nebbishy, like nervous, shy kid who like barely ever wants to leave his house because it's like he's like has this ridiculous like, kind of psychotic relationship with his 
mother. And this I'll is... I'll add that I, I like most of the kid characters in It. I'll say okay. that. That stuff did work for me. But, and this character is just so completely different. And it's, it's just so outgoing. And, like, so... And, like, also, just to, like, drive out the other points, like, I hate it, like, in when it, it comes to, like, zombie movies, when they don't know what zombies are. It's like, has, has no one here watched a movie before? Like, <laughs> come on, guys. And so when you have a situation where you have, like, superheroes living in a world... You're telling me that not a single character here is going like if, in any movie is going to be like, oh, no, that like I don't care about superheroes at all. No, you, like having a having a character who's completely obsessed with superheroes makes every kind of sense. And his enthusiasm, he's like he's basically the audience. I mean, he's very much yeah. us like watching this arrival of a superhero and wanting to just see where everything that, that comes with it. And uh, it's just it's it's a perfect uh, like just cipher for us as an audience it's great that's that's a tricky territory to walk when you as far as kind of acknowledging the genre that you're within and i can i mean i can you can make arguments for why zombie movies do it some don't um badly um but (laughs) i i would say what i it's the kind of thing that i wish Zack snyder was able to handle better as far as because i i see you know i i have good things to say about um batman v superman specifically as far as the visuals go and certain other aspects, but something I wish, and even Man of Steel did better, was, I mean, his take was, what if this was introduced to our world and what would that be? Mm-hmm. And I just, I, I just wish it had more to say about the concept of, now we have a Superman here. Let alone in that movie, you already, a Batman already exists, apparently. And I just, right. like, establishing that world... It fell through for me because yeah, you're not giving me enough to really go on as far as what how the real how how a realistic world that superheroes did not or at least Superman did not exist before and now he does. You're giving me pieces of that, but not enough, which is why it's weird that Superman has like the least to do in a movie that has his name in the title. But regardless, this movie is a good solve to that as far as having a character like Jack Dylan Grazer, let alone right. the world as a whole. It seems where there you know it's 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 a year later or whatever since. What's, what, when Kieran Seer and Hands Steppenwolf character did whatever <laughs> he did. I was trying to I remember. I totally Justice forgot about that. Yeah, that I was that trying to villain. remember that movie that doesn't exist, Justice yeah. League. But, oh um, boy. Yeah, Professor, uh, what's his face played him? Yeah. No, no, that's that's not him. No, Seer no, and Hands played him. Yeah, unrecognizable. Yeah, I'm thinking of uh, of Ares. Oh yeah, the David Thewlis. Oh, uh, yeah, pr- yeah. Professor uh, Lupin. Um, yes, thank you. I don't. I don't read this, but I know I got it. <laughs> uh, regardless, yes, I do think this movie. Now that you've had a time to deal with, like, oh, this all, st- this a lot of this stuff has happened. We've had a whole team of superheroes fight off something from the world ending. I don't know how public that is, but regardless, you have a character that's like speaking for an audience that would make a lot of sense to exist. Of like, yeah. What what is the reaction here? There's merchandise apparently. Cool. They got a Batman toy in the toy store. Like great. Like stuff like that is fun. Like it's fun to see a movie like this. That's kind of a you know it's a sidestep away from the big giant epics and more of like a what happened if you know, the kid became a superhero like a wizard whatever. But like he he lives in the real world. Like cool. Yeah. I'm into that. So I'm into that to kind speak of. On that, I actually do like the localization of it all, and I actually like what happens when. Uh, when Asher Angel is just like, you know, I don't, I don't think I really need school anymore. And what he does is he just like plays for change because uh, he doesn't know what else to do, right? <laughs> so it's like, this makes complete sense for a fifteen year old to be like, I can shoot bolts of lightning out of my hand and I'll sing Queen. And so it's like this is this is fantastic. And like what you're saying, Aaron, it's not as though it's even the the villain and the the whatever else is, is super localized as well. So I I really like that. Um, we know that the, the outer world exists, but I like that this movie is pretty self-contained. All right. Uh, any other thoughts on Shazam before we move on? 
Yeah, well, just I, one. Oh, yeah, go ahead. No, I just wanted to say that, you know, speaking of uh, the Freddy character, I love how even though the kid was handicapped a little bit, you know, he was bullied. You know, he wasn't like he didn't play the victim. Mm-hmm. I really like that about the character. Like he was very like he, he stood up for himself. He wasn't afraid of getting his ass kicked. I thought that was really different. Yeah. You know, we see so many movies where like, oh, you know, poor him, you know, but he actually stood up for himself quite a bit. Um, I also wanted to say that I loved you guys were talking about the real world and how they kind of like brought it into like, you know, these previous movies exist. I love the scene where like the little boy is playing with the Batman and the Superman mm-hmm. uh, action figures. And then he looks out the window and he sees <laughs> yeah. Sam and Mark Strong's character. I thought that was great. Yeah. Uh, just two questions for you guys. One, where did uh, uh, Asher Angel's dimples go when you're in the Shazam? Uh, and then number two, I mean these these bullies they They're they the worst. <laughs> they run over a kid, and I feel and then, as though there should be a police on him. And then they pick on him, <laughs> and then they they kick the shit out of him. It's not fun. No, that's classic. I think that's classic eighties bullying. I mean, Karate Kid. They almost freaking kill him. I mean, it's taken to yeah, they do. Right. But this, it's taken to a weirder trip. It's like, wait, so these guys just show up to school like and yeah. park there all the time? Like that's their mo? No, <laughs> you know the first part where they're like, oh, you got in the way. And then they go, you also dented my car. I was like, whoa, whoa, that's a serious crime. Yeah, also, where is the parents? <laughs> why, is, why is no one saying this? All right, well, that, those are my questions. Good questions, Abe. Um, let's, uh, let's, let's move on to our rating here. As we do on the show, we ask, when should people go and see this movie? Eric, when should people go and see Shazam? Now, as soon as possible. Great. All right. Scott, how about you? I agree. Right away. I would agree as well. I think it's a fantastic and very fun movie. Um, it certainly, you can, you are continuing on with these solid solo superhero outings for DC. So keep, bring on more of that. Hey, what about you? Uh, I'd say Dollar Theater. I mean, you should definitely see it on big screen, but uh, something you don't have to run out and see right away. And I sound like a jerk. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you do. Yeah, maybe maybe some of the foster parents just don't want to go looking for you. But um, <laughs> I told them there were angels in the outfield. They didn't believe in me. Yeah, well, that's a movie. Um, let's, let's move on now. Let's get to uh, wait. What what uh, what time is it? Aaron, it's time for uh, a quick game here. Let her know. In fact, that's actually the uh, the sound that plays when you take out an eyeball in a movie. I was uh, taking lessons for the improv theme for games, of course. So, yeah. Good score. I like Shazam's score, by the way. It had some nice echoes of other movies that I was mm. enjoying. Okay. Uh, I've got a game for you guys this week. It's called Shazam is a catchphrase. Uh, so what I'm going to do, that's the name of the game. Shazam uh-huh. is a catchphrase. Uh, I'm going to name a, 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 a comic book or a movie character, and I'd like for you to buzz in with your name and tell me what their catchphrase is. Does that make sense? So you're going to name a character, and we have to name the catchphrase? Correct. So if I said Shazam, I guess the, the catchphrase would be Shazam, right? Sure. Yeah. So be I, on your buzzers. I'm trying like... to... So, our, so if we, we buzz in with our name. Yes, correct. Uh, this wouldn't work better if you said the catchphrase, and then we said the super... Okay, whatever. It's your game. <laughs> I would love for you to, to say the uh, the catchphrase. Yeah, all right. <laughs> because there's a lot of exclamation marks, so if you did it with em- emphasis, it'd be great. Oh, so if we acted, we get bonus points. That's what you're saying. Mm, yeah. <laughs> first first one here. Be on your buzzers. The Incredible Hulk. Aaron. 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 
Hulk smash? That is correct. <laughs> okay. I like how you said it kind of like you were unsure, too. Cause, you know. Well, Hulk, sometimes Hulk is unsure, Abe. <laughs> like, have you ever read Hulk Gray? He's completely crazy. He's, really, he's, yeah, he's completely... He's like, no. I don't know what to do. Uh, next one here. The Thing. Eric. Eric. It's clobbering time. Is clobbering time is correct. For some reason, I kept thinking, what did Kurt Russell's The Thing? Like, what did this <laughs> oh, be? <laughs> My mind was so like <laughs> No, it's been many days and I'm very tired. <laughs> I was so poisoned by the Trank version, which has its moments. Uh, I just stopped thinking about the Fantastic Four. <laughs> Next did one here. Credits roll. I'm sorry, I say it again. When the credits roll, like it has its moments when the credits roll. <laughs> I think it has some ideas that clearly it did not capitalize on in a good way. Yeah, <laughs> not the greatest invention of Doctor Doom, but you know. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> friend of the show, Toby Kebbell. <laughs> Next one here. Largely said by Michelangelo, but also echoed by his brothers, Leonardo, Donatello, Donatello and Raphael. Aaron. Aaron. Cowabunga? It's correct. Why did you? Why is there all the questions? <laughs> That's always the question. <laughs> uh, next one here. Not it's pizza time. Not it's pizza time, or nor radical. Oh. Uh, next one here. Judge Dredd. Aaron. I am the law. Yes. Continuation. Every one of mine will be a question. <laughs> uh, next one here. The Human Torch. Eric. Eric. Amon. Amon. I'm getting all, all right. the Fantastic Four ones. That's uh, that's just my that's my niche here. Uh, Luke Cage. Aaron. Eric. Aaron. Uh, sweet Christmas. Sweet Christmas. No question mark there. Well, I'm more confident with Sweet Christmas. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> that's just a good catchphrase. Uh, next one here. Stan Lee. Eric. Eric. Excelsior. That is correct. Next one here. The Tick. Eric. Eric. Spoon! Spoon! <laughs> uh, next one here. Thor. Aaron. Aaron. <laughs> I forgot what he <laughs> um, Well, that was... Uh, I don't know. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I had it, but then I was like, that doesn't make any sense. Eric or Scott for the, for the uh, steal? No. Freaking blanking. Uh, I'll, I'll give you guys a clue here, and Aaron, you're back in because I'm giving everybody a clue. Okay. It involves a family member and facial hair. Oh, Eric. By Odin's Eric. beard. Odin's beard is correct. That seems like more of a Ron Burgundy catchphrase. Right? <laughs> <laughs> he, does, he does say that as well. Uh, next one here. Mighty Mouse. Oh, Aaron. Scott. Aaron. There's no need to fear. That's No, that's under that is... Never mind. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> here I come oh, I, yeah. today. Yeah. That is correct, Scott. I'll give that one to you. I hope Underdog comes up next. <laughs> <laughs> that is nope, he's not. Uh, next one here, Green Lantern. Eric. Eric. Brightest day and blackest night. No evil shall escape my sight. That is correct. Do you know the rest of it? Uh, hold on. Escape my sight. Damn it, I can't do the rest. I'm blanking on it. Anyone else? Is that like half point? Any points? <laughs> You know, you know what's fun about Green Lantern? It, it, that it wasn't a good movie. Well, that, but you know, so that movie is almost—it's what eight years old now, something like that. Oh, is it really yeah. eight years old? It is. Yeah, because, it yeah. Yeah. Well, we've been doing this podcast for eight years, Abe. So yes, it's eight. It was years our old. first year. Yes, it was our first year. Oh. Uh, so with that, might Eric, you know this? At Comic Con, like there was a little kid that asked Ryan or Ryan Reynolds to say the Green Lantern thing, yep. right? Yeah. That. 
that kid's eight years older now. He probably still hates Ryan Reynolds for doing that movie. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's your weird comment. <laughs> Terrific callback. He probably he's probably like Steve Buscemi and Billy Madison. He has like a dartboard. <laughs> Apology call. He just he he refuses to watch Deadpool movies. And... <laughs> uh, the whole quote is: "In brightest day and blackest night, no evil shall escape my sight. Let those who worship evil's might who are my power, Green Lantern's light." There it is. And the last one here, be on your buzzers, Groot. Eric. Aaron. I think I heard Eric first. I am Groot? That is correct. And hey. uh, I, I believe I, it's I am Groot. It's it's fantastic because, you know, it means a multitude of things. Except for we are Groot, which I think means a more personal thing. So It just means I have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> it's I'm a weird note that Vin Diesel added. Yeah. It's on Vin Diesel's Instagram. He's like, yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's what I meant when I said we are Groot. <laughs> was, is, is, is Vin Diesel an avatar now? Is anyone else? Apparently, yeah. I, guess that's yeah, a thing. I saw an Instagram <laughs> post of his. Yeah. What's He's happening? just leaking left and right. Does he play one of the trees? <laughs> Probably, yeah. That's yeah, up yeah, to his skill in terms of acting. So that's Right. Like, Maybe yeah. he moved up to you know one of those giant you know dinosaur pterodactyl bird things. But we'll see. Uh, with all that, though, Eric, you are the winner of this week's Yay! game with seven points. Aaron, you're close with four. And Scott, you got, uh, you know, here I come to save the day. Yeah. One. You're the mightiest mouse of them all. You got on the board. That means you get to come back to the podcast. That's what counts. <laughs> and that's how you play Shazam is a catchphrase. The guests that haven't answered any questions, they know who they are. They're not back on this podcast. <laughs> oh, man. Wow, that's some that's some guest guilt there. <laughs> yeah, well... Guess guilt aside, let's move on now to get to the, let's get to some out now feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. See there, this, the this is where we go over the various questions and answers on our Facebook page, Facebook.com/slash/outnowpodcast. We asked the listeners a number of questions and they gave us answers, and then they gave us some questions that we have some answers for as well. So, Abe, why don't you start this one off? Yeah, feel free to answer, uh, Scott and uh, Eric. Uh, as many of you know, Shazam movie was taking some inspiration from the movie Big. Uh, what are some of your favorite body switching movies? Christopher has Ghost. Venom, Ghost in the Shell, the anime. Rachel has no question, it's your name, the Japanese anime. Uh, Scott has Heaven Can Wait, Prelude to a Kiss. Todd has Big, Freaky Friday, the remake is better than the original, and All of Me. Jeffrey has Does Face Off Count? And I'm going to say yes, it does. <laughs> uh, Jeffrey has 13 Going on 30 Count? Yes, that counts for sure. I think uh, that, that seems more easy to understand yeah. than Face Off. Like 13, face off yeah. 13 Going yeah. on 30 is a pretty standard body switching movie. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> And lastly, Justin has 17 again, vice versa, The Mask. That's a fun answer. Oh, The Mask yeah. is an interesting choice, yeah. yeah that's that's a fun Any other favorite body-switching movies? Uh, I love that All of, All of Me is mentioned, uh, just as a big Steve Martin, uh, really talented fan. Like, that's, I love that movie. That movie's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I'll echo The Freaky Friday, because I love that one. I was hoping that it would... Little is going to be one of these movies, but I guess not. Oh. <laughs> I, I, if we're going with, I guess, superheroes to an extent, um, maybe Captain America, the pretty big, you know, he, he becomes That's big. That's an example. He, he's from these goes from small to, to big, Steve. So, that's where yeah. He feels taller. Yeah, that's true. Nobody mentioned the change-up? Yeah, with Jesus. good reason. Oh, yeah. That movie's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. That movie costs like $90 million, too. It's like, an exp- $90 million? It's, like, it's like a crazy expensive movie because there's like all this CG in it for no reason. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who'd have thunk that a comedy about two guys pissing into a fountain would actually be bad, right? Yeah. <laughs> 
I didn't know the premise before. Now I know it now, and I'm never. <laughs> nope. Don't bother. But, with it. but it here's the terrible. thing: it's one white guy playing another white guy. Okay. So <laughs> what? <laughs> Actually, you know what? Here, what I'll say, just because it was brought up, uh, totally without shame, I will say that two guys and a girl, the show. I actually, it's actually not bad in retrospect. I've actually rewatched it in recent years and it's not too shabby. There's a Halloween episode where Ryan, uh, there's kind of a big body swap thing that happens and Ryan Reynolds actually does a fantastic uh, impression uh, just within that whole premise. So yeah, I'm going to throw that into the mix as well. I just want to say, Eric, that the show, uh, before it was called Two Guys and Girls, Two Guys and Girls. Two Guys and Girls Pizza Place, yes, sure. So I'm glad that you and I both like good shows from like ABC. Yeah. Yeah. Which version had Nathan Philly on it? That's uh, as a girl. Yeah, that was yeah. That. That's when she, she came in later, right? Yeah, yeah. she was the boyfriend of, of the uh, the girl who went out to go play Monk's assistant. Yes, Taylor. Man, you're so Monk. good at this. Yeah, yeah. the sec the second assistant. Who That's correct. Monk. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, that's part of the Shaluba verse. <laughs> Dude, that guy. When is that guy gonna get six degrees of Shalub? You could do it. Shalub's been in a ton of movies. He's exactly. easily connected to everything. <laughs> Uh, anyway, what are your favorite films about adopted or unconventional families? Uh, Jeffrey has four brothers. Good mm-hmm. call, Jeffrey. Uh, Lilo and Stitch, Blade, Logan, Toy Story, and of course, Star Wars. Christopher has four brothers. Justin has My Son Said Goonies. Chris has... I like Justin defers to his son on these questions. Uh, <laughs> Chris has Adam's Family and Fast and the Furious. Philip has Our Little Sister. Rachel has I Loved Instant Family last year. Uh, Todd has Lion, Kung Fu Panda, and Paddington. Mike has The Devil's Rejects, and Gary has Interview with a Vampire. With the vampire. Interesting with the unconventional family there. I have to go with Instant Family. I love that movie so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm honestly surprised it wasn't mentioned, but Short Term 12, I think, oh, is thank it's you. a yeah. phenomenal movie. And like yeah. honestly, and also just like in retrospect, one of the most awesome casts of young talent in recent memory. Like that right. was everything. So, yeah. Just wait for Shazam to become the new version of that with all the foster kids in that. Yeah, right? <laughs> gonna go on to have amazing You're gonna careers. have seven, yeah, seven other ones. Yeah. Abe and I are big Four Brothers fans, which is why I gave. I know, yeah, and also I didn't realize that Four Brothers was based on uh, Scott's life. <laughs> uh, well, the next question is: Who are your favorite teenage or younger characters? I, I, now, now I'd like to think that Mark Wahlberg, he like went on from Four Brothers to become a successful house, like real estate <laughs> slash, adopt, slash adopted father of his own. Could be, yeah, the the Wahlberg verse. Uh, who are your favorite teenage or younger characters coming out of superhero films? Jeffrey has Hit Girl, Negasonic, X twenty three, Miles Morales, Peter Parker, Peter Parker, the Tobey Maguire version. Dash and Violet Parr, and uh, Todd also adds the Pink Ranger. Pretty sure Toby was like 27 when he made Spider-Man, but sure, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, he plays a young teenager pretty well. <laughs> uh, that I mean, like X-23 is certainly up there. Hit Girl's fantastic. I guess if I'm going to add to that list, uh, you know, I will. I never take a moment not to mention a Shane Black movie, so I'm going to go with Ty Simpkins in Iron Man 3. Uh, I know go. that movie gets a fair amount of hate for some reason that I will never understand, and I love the dynamic that he has with uh, Tony Star- with Tony uh, in that film, so yeah, I'm going to go with that. I'll say that's my favorite section of that movie, for sure. I think go. that's a lot of fun. I mean, he gets an Iron Man suit as a gift. Yeah, yeah there you we, go. as we all know, he's going to be the reason. He's going to wait through the way they defeat Thanos. Exactly, he's got to totally gonna, wear the gauntlet. Oh man, that'd be gonna a come weird. In. Yeah, he's going to have like, his own suit. He's going to come in. He's like, hold on, guys, I got cool this. Cool callback. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> 
He's, you know, he's got to be signed like a six movie contract. I'm sure they've just been waiting to unleash him in this movie. This movie. Yeah. <laughs> it would still be the star of Phase Phase Four. I'm telling you right now. I'm excited. They're going to need him in Doctor Strange Two to just to sell that movie. There you <laughs> go. Simpkins is here. Bang. How come no one said Jack Jack from uh, Incredible? There you uh, go. Oh, Jack Jack. Oh yeah, we got a dash it, in the yeah, violet. Yeah, it's just brother. Yeah, yeah, you dropped the ball there, Jeffrey. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, I'll add, I'll add the most memorable character from X2, the kid that blinks and changes the channel on the TV. <laughs> yeah, and then he he calmly asks those guys if they need some help, and then he gets shot in the, he gets shot the, in the neck. neck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? He just wanted to ask what you guys were up to. Yeah, that was a young Idris Elba. Yeah, you didn't know that, did you? Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Wait, that was pre-Rock and Roller? It was pre-Wire. <laughs> wow. Anyway, what is? I won't correct that. What is? What are the scariest animal-based horror films? Uh, Chris writes, watching The Thing when I was 12. The dog <laughs> scene scared the poop emoji out of me. Also, as much as I love Jaws, the idea of open water was far scarier. Uh, Philip has The Ghost in the Darkness. Justin writes, Jaws was pretty terrifying when I was growing up, and living by the beach didn't help. Uh, Matthew has Jaws, Cujo. These are both cute answers, but we all know the real answer is Stuart Little. <laughs> he drives a car. Uh, Jordan has Hotel for Dogs. <laughs> Tyler has the only answer is Jaws. Scott writes Them and the Spider in the Incredible Shrinking Man. And Michelle has I think Cujo was horrifying. Jaws is my answer. I mean, that's that's what I got there. Solid answer. The birds. The birds, birds, birds. Yeah. Good, man. Uh, I actually uh, I was mentioning the Stephen King movies earlier. Uh, Cujo, like honestly, that movie, like I do, it, it shouldn't work just because of how it's structured in terms of its story. But like that dog is legitimately scary just yeah, throughout the entire dog. film. Yeah. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna give my answer to Cujo for this one. Yeah. Yeah. Although I mean, Jaws is obviously the answer. But, yeah. yeah. Who's the? Is it is it D Wallace? Is the? Yeah. Is the, I think yeah. it is D Wallace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're gonna threaten ET's mom. I mean. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This is her home. <laughs> Uh, uh, but in any case, yeah, what a weird premise. Like, oh, we're going to get locked in a junkyard and have to sit in this car. Yeah, for like hours and hours and hours, yeah. It's Squid's uh, worst nightmare. Squid. <laughs> uh, next question here. What horror novels are you looking forward to seeing adapted or maybe even getting a proper adaptation? Uh, Ruben has Salem's Lot. Keith writes uh, Nosferatu. Uh, Which is getting an adaptation on AMC. It's a TV series that's coming this way. Oh, there you go. Uh, Philip has The Stand, which I think has had multiple iterations. Um, Scott has Clive Barker's Damnation Game, Swan Song by Robert uh, McCamron. Or McCannon, McCammon. Uh, Mike has It's Better Never, It's Never Gonna Get Made, but uh, The Mountains of Madness, At the Mountains of Madness. Oh, yeah. Uh, Todd has uh, What are these things you speak of called novels? Oh, you mean those pictureless paperless movies? <laughs> Thanks a lot, Todd. <laughs> Michelle has. I'd love to see how Heart-Shaped Box by Joe Hill gets adapted. And Chris has, would love to see a, a decent adaptation of I Am Legend, also Fiend by Peter Stenson. I would like to see a definitive version of I Am Legend. <laughs> I think there's, there's been... Minus attempts. all the butterflies and the hearts? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> or the... I mean, it's nice to see uh, Chuck Heston, like, badassing it around in the 70s in his version, or Vincent Price being himself in his version, but... <laughs> <laughs> That's another one. We're like, you can. There's a way to do this. There's like, there's a Bloomhouse version of I Am Legend waiting to be done. Yeah. Sure. Speaking of which, I mean, this is something we we touched on earlier. But what is your favorite adaptation of a Stephen King novel for everybody here? Oh boy, Shining. Is that tough. Shining. I think it's Shining or yeah, TV or or big screen. So well, Shining. actually, you know what? 
I'm going to say 89 Pet Cemetery just because, I mean, I have such a personal connection to that movie. Like, that was one of the first horror movies I ever... You used to live ever... on a Pet Cemetery. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And then just, yeah, everything, it's a homecoming for me. It's very, <laughs> it's very comfy. Uh, but no, I mean, that, that just, and seriously, though, like, that was one of the first movies that really ever got me into the horror genre and basically made me the horror fan that I am today. So, yeah, I truly, truly love the 89 Pet Cemetery. Oh, well, that's fair. Yeah. Cool. And, the, you know, it's got a great song. Yes. Hmm. Yeah. I'm going to go with the original Carrie. Okay. That's a great one. Yeah. Uh, Dead Zone's really good, too. That's a... Also great. Yeah. Yeah. And, of course, The Running Man with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, That's God, a... I love Running Man. Oh. oh. Yeah. Oh. That movie's so great. <laughs> written under a pen name. Uh, <laughs> mm. <laughs> doesn't come up very often. I mean, what's, uh, The Shawshank Redemption also, obviously, oh. is a, you know pretty good. Yeah. And, uh, and by me. I'm a, stand by me. I'm a big fan of the Mist. Misery uh, is the absolutely mist. incredible. Wow, oh, there's a lot of good yeah. adaptations. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of good. It's fun to name <laughs> the good ones. No, exactly. I was like, I was saying earlier, there is <laughs> like there is a wide range of quality when it comes to Stephen King adaptations. Yeah, yeah. There are some yeah. truly amazing classics and some truly dreadful, awful crap. So yeah, yeah. Like, uh, like remember the Dark Tower exists. Oh yeah, oh, yeah like, that was a movie. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't think you remember that, but yeah, it came <laughs> out in theaters. It's also got Idris Elba in it. I was surprised to, as you were when I heard that, that was a movie because <laughs> I remember I drove, I saw it, and then I left, and yeah, that was the end of that story. <laughs> also, I do I do want to answer the actual question though because I do have uh, another. I actually have a legitimate answer for it. Uh, did you guys ever read Benicula when you were a kid? I did not. That sounds like a movie about spiders. No, uh, it's actually a movie about a vampire bunny. Uh, that uh, sucks the like sucks the color out of carrots and the like, and it's about like a dog that basically uh like is investigating the uh the vampire nature of this bunny. Wow. Uh, and it was one of my favorite books as a kid, and I think they might have done like a TV show with it, but like I'd love to see a movie of some sort. Maybe so. this is what Detective Pikachu's plot is. Yeah, there you go. He's a detective. <laughs> that's what he's that's what he's detecting exactly. Yeah. All right. Who are your favorite characters out of a Stephen King novel adaptation? Uh, Justin has Pennywise. The uh, I believe he had the Tim Curry image. Uh, no, wait, no, he had the uh, he had the Skarsgård uh, gif of that one. Um, Joe has John Coffey from Green Mile. Cynthia has Pennywise. Philip has John Coffey in the Green Mile. Scott has Andy Dufresne and Red from Shawshank Redemption. Mike has Arnie from Christine. Uh, Luke has Duddits, not really from a Dreamcatcher. Uh, that's a good joke for people that have seen Dreamcatcher. That falls in the not good category of Stephen <laughs> King movies, by the way, if you're not aware. Uh, Ruben has Kurt Barlow. Uh, which one's Kurt Barlow? Who knows? Off yet. Mm, is it Salem's Lot? Maybe. Let me see. Mm. Kurt Barlow. Yeah, it is Salem's Lot. It's Salem's yeah. Lot. Yeah, there we go. It's the Master and, uh, and Mary has Ellis Red Boyd. There you go. Red was here. Uh, I'm gonna go with Judd, uh, Fred Gwynn from the from 89 Pet Cemetery. Just gonna share my love of that again. Uh, that performance is absolutely everything. Uh, I love Fred Gwynn. Like even when I was a kid, mm-hmm. in addition to that one, I was also a huge fan of the Monsters and My Cousin Vinny. So like, yeah, I love Fred Gwynn, and yeah, his Judd is absolutely perfect to to the point where like. Again, I didn't love this new Pet Cemetery, but I so like it actually like hurt my feelings about uh, like uh Lithgow's performance because like while he's good he's not Fred Gwynn like Fred, wow. Fred that Fred Gwynn's performance it's such a specific is, solid it is, yeah. it, it is. and I had it got like I hadn't seen Pet Cemetery for the longest time so I forgot how 
parodyable that one is. So like when I saw it again, I was like, oh, I get so many references now because of this performance. It's so oh. like key to what he's doing. And I will that. actually give a special shout out to the audiobook of uh, Pet Cemetery, which is read by Michael C. Michael uh, or uh, yeah, Michael C. Scott. Uh, no, oh. Michael C. Hall. Sorry. Oh, okay. uh, yeah, who actually is. does for for Judd's dialogue actually does a pitch perfect fred gwynn uh impression so cool. yeah for anyone listening that wants to check that out it is an amazing amazing read for yeah so there are a couple i'll stick up for one is uh scatman carruthers and the shining, uh, shining sure because it because you like him so much that it's heartbreaking that he goes through <laughs> such a journey it just gets, it just gets an action <laughs> yeah it's, it's not great yeah yeah um i <laughs> I I really like James Caan against Annie Wilkes because you have to put up with Annie Wilkes for that entire movie and it's so ridiculous. <laughs> so the idea of James Caan of all people being the one that's like emasculated and exacerbated by her antics is like very entertaining to me. Um, and what was the last one? I had another one. Um, someone else go. Scott, do you have any others? I do not. Okay. I can think of. Uh, I had another one. But yeah, I was like, <laughs> you have one in? I can't think the, of the kids one. from uh, Silver Bullet. Because, you know, she gives up her necklace to make a silver bullet to kill the werewolf who turns up in the neighbor. There you go. Yeah. I think I was going to say Judd, actually. That's oh, I thought you were going to say silver bullet, too. And I was like, wow, parallel wavelength. Yeah. Well, anyway, if you remember it, just uh, shout it out randomly. The last question here, <laughs> uh, before questions for us, are, are is, what is your favorite art house space movie or movies? Uh, Mike has Moon, which Aaron and I both love. Uh, Scott has Gattaca is great. It's no 2001, but I've always liked it. It's also a solid score. Uh, Chris has, can I say Gandahar? Uh, sure, animation, but very cool. Mostly Justin has Moon and The Signal, which we had the writers on. Yeah, we're big fans of. Uh, people need to stop asking, can you say? If you think it's a good answer, throw it in there. <laughs> Don't worry about if it's good or not. It's, a, it's your answer. That's, that's, that's what we want to get. We want to get your guns, buddy. Just risk the judgment is all, yeah. 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 This, yeah this is a safe space. We'll make fun of it <laughs> on the air. <laughs> Yeah, but to you by name, like that's gonna happen. I mean, no right. matter what. But yeah, it's no, it's fun. Um, next question. This is a good question that I made sure Abe read beforehand so we could have some good answers between at least two of us. Um, Justin writes, "What is everyone's top ten must see movies any decade?" I'm building a collection still and would like some good additions that may that I may not already have. Please include honest choices as well. Well, Justin, thank you for including my lovely girlfriend in this as well because she's a. Uh, <laughs> She has a degree in film. She certainly knows plenty of stuff in her own right. Um, and so I did ask her, and she came up with some answers that I'll read right now. Uh, she writes, funny – she tried to kind of narrow it down by <clears throat> movies that are kind of going through different genres and what have you as far as must-see films that just to know. Um, she has Funny Face, um, the musical from the 50s. is one of her favorite movies of all time anyway with Audrey Hepburn. Uh, Safety Last, the Harold Lloyd comedy from the silent era. On the Waterfront the classic Marlon Brando drama, Sunset Boulevard, the classic noir, mm. Les Samurai, uh, Pride and Prejudice from the 1940 version, Rocky, The Searchers, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, uh, having two different westerns that I think are both very stylistically different, so it's good things going on there, and uh, and Dunkirk, as far as having a, just a strong war drama going on. Nice. Or thriller, really. That's some solid list there, Anna. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Abe, did you have a... I have mine, but do you have yours? I don't have a full solid top ten, but, uh, you know, kind of just thinking about it and kind of going from... Jumping from place to place and kind of just going from the top of my head uh, when this question was presented. It was definitely Terminator 2. Uh, you should see that. You should also see uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. You should also see uh, something like Jaws. You should also see something like um, Science of the Lambs, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. 
Um, and then something like something that's goofy but really fun too is, I mean, it's not that it was it's like a, a goofy-ish movie, but honestly, like uh, Eighty Nine Batman is just like it's it's a it was a life changer for me. Uh, it changed me to Ninja thought, Turtles. I thought you were gonna say a goofy movie after all that. No, 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 no. I mean that has great songs from Chevy Chase. It does. Yeah. Uh, I know. I is it's it's a great song. <laughs> But uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, first movie I ever saw in theaters. Um, not that it's it's actually more faithful to the comics than, than people realize, and it's like got that dark tone that the comics have. And quite honestly, spoiler alert: in the comic books, the Shredder dies in a more horrific way. Uh, but uh, and then just going off of, like some stuff like in terms of like war films, uh, I would definitely recommend um, Saving Private Ryan, but also. Um, Casablanca, it's fantastic. It's like I've grown to like love that movie and watch it repeatedly. And then, and like a Norse type movie, uh, *Ellie Confidential*. You should see that. Oh, I love it. Um, and then like just something like super old school that I uh, hadn't really seen before, but then I've kind of grown to like really appreciate is um, uh, it was like a Hitchcock movie, but it wasn't *The Birds*, but it was something else. But in any case, it's like one of those movies where you a lot of like the in-camera effects are, are fantastic in it, and um, basically anything that's like pre like heavy CGI, you should check out because the way that Hitchhiker kind of like creates pacing, but also tension um, and suspense is is really it's really well done. It's funny, I I didn't fit Hitchcock on my list, and and again, this is kind of like I, mean, I, I earlier in the movie or in the I I assembled this like kind of hastily because I didn't want to think too much about it because then I'm like, how much effort do I want to put into a question for the podcast when we can take well, like a whole other podcast con- yeah. concerning only this topic. But I have, um, and I tried to separate it both by genre as well as just cinematic impact um, for as far as must-see movies. So Justin, you better be taking notes because we, we have like 30 movies between all of us that we're going to put out here. <laughs> um, but I have Citizen Kane, uh, Casablanca. I also had Safety Last. Uh, Seven Samurai from Akira Kurosawa. Uh, as far as kind of get your action thing going, as well as, you know, international films. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey, Jaws, Do the Right Thing, uh, Rafifi, as far as noir and another nice. international film. Uh, Hoop Dreams, as far as getting a docu- some documentary. Great there. documentary. And The Matrix, honestly, as far as doing... Because I, I had Star Wars, and I'm like, but The Matrix... I think Scott Mendelson pointed that out on our recent Matrix commentary. It does the hero's journey even more faithful to Campbell than Star Wars does, but it also is much like Star Wars is revolutionizing effects and what have you in various ways. And, you know, it's kind of a leap forward as far as where action cinema went from there. So yeah, those are the films that I had. You guys have any, you want to throw out there uh, just to add on to this? I'll definitely throw uh, like taxi driver, Pulp Fiction, Chinatown. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, big Lebowski I'd throw on there. Uh, I I put Star Wars on there. Uh, jeez, this is it's such a big question. I, I know, feel yeah, like I, I feel like, like I like... should have this list, but every single time yeah, this question comes to me, my brain just explodes with every movie I've ever yes, seen. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> when when you're asking top ten films, it's like, yeah, how do you narrow that down yeah. in a random question like that? So I yeah. I tend to think of it as just like in this time, in this moment, right now. Here's my ten. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Scott, did you have anyone you want to add? A rear rear window. Uh huh. Great yeah. one. I, I will have to, of course, add uh, my personal favorite, The Nightmare Before Christmas, mm-hmm. Back to the Future, yep. uh, Breakfast Club, yeah. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, yeah. uh, uh, going way, way, way back, a great comedy that I think is very underrated is Barefoot in the Park. Oh, yeah, with uh, Redford. Yeah. You guys said, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of sort of the mob movie you left out. 
maybe something like Goodfellas or Heat. Mm-hmm. The, I had the Godfather in for a while, but uh, yeah, yeah, sure, Godfather two. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of these that are kind of standard, so we tried right. to you know mix it up a bit. Mix it up think, sure. between between the five of us now. I think yeah, there's certainly plenty of movies. <laughs> that yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, there are a few movies see. you can watch. I mean, yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. Um, I almost forgot about this, but we also have our poll question. Each week and out now. This we'll is do a poll. hard one. This was this was I made. I didn't like it. I. I'm going to talk to you about this after the show, but there's a reason I'm doing all this. But uh, So each week you put two movies against each other, um, and you have to vote for the one to save. The other one gets erased from existence entirely. And this one, this week, after last week's uh, very challenging Disney question, I put up a new question. Dawn of Justice edition, Batman 89 versus Superman the movie. So before we get to what the actual results were for our listeners, between Eric and Scott, what, where, where would you guys pick between those two? Batman 89 or Superman the 78 uh, Richard Donner film? Which one are you keeping? Which one do you what, what do you vote to keep? You know, it's I'm gonna be true to my comic book nature in terms of just how I feel about the characters. I gotta save Batman. Me too, no doubt. Abe, yeah, it was really hard because um, Christopher Reeve Superman is is iconic and classic, but I was also leaning toward Batman, and I felt awful. <laughs> <So> <laughs> I mean, this is this is like an Angela's Ashes type thing. It's funny because I felt awful going against Batman since Batman's my guy, but I did because I'm just thinking, well, if you get rid of Superman in the movie, that gets rid of so many other movies. Like right. so many movies are modeled after that perfect model of a superhero yeah. movie, um, but. Doesn't matter. And, he, and you also lose like an honest, like one of the best portrayals of Clark Kent slash Superman. Yeah, <laughs> you do. <laughs> uh, but it, it doesn't matter because the listeners voted 64% in favor of Batman 89 wow. versus Superman. Um, so, yeah, I'm adding it to our list of movies that have been erased from existence. That's a tough Superman one movie. to swallow. It, it's yeah. gone. It's gone out of there. It joins a <laughs> list of other movies I never heard of before because they don't exist. Yeah. All right. Let's move on now. Let's let's start. Let's start wrapping things up here. Let's get to a little out now. Presents out now. These movies that are coming out on Blu-ray, 4K, DVD, streaming, and all that. Uh, I'm just gonna read off a list of movies here. You guys feel free to give a yay or nay as I kind of go over them. Uh, first up, coming to Blu-ray and stuff this week, we have the movie that I most anticipated Scott Menzel to li- like, but he ended up really disliking as much as everybody else. Welcome to Marwin. Yeah. 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 I've heard mm, mixed negative. Yeah. I was not big on it. Really but... bad. But doesn't that, that seem like a movie that you'd be like the one that stick your neck out for, but it still didn't work? It, it's so weird that you kind of want to like it just because like it it, it is such a bizarre premise. But I mean, also the doc, that documentary Marwin Call is like oh, so man. far superior. Just watch oh, that instead. Yeah, so, yeah. Also, out uh, Holmes and Watson. Oh man, I've heard this is a terrible movie. I, I haven't seen it, but uh, I almost feel like I should just because of all of the terrible, terrible things that I've heard about it. Yeah. And it also may be the last Adam McKay Will Ferrell collaboration, so there's right. that to consider as well. Yeah. Uh, Mirai, I like this movie quite a bit. The anime that was also nominated for that was nominated, yeah, for, for best Oscar, uh, yeah. best animated. I was a fan of this one. Um, a Dog's Way Home. Yeah, as someone who loves dog movies, I was kind of like underwhelmed by it. Hmm. Okay. All right, I did not see it. Let's see. On the basis of sex. This is the uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg biopic. Go see RBG instead. Once again, I'm picking the doc. <laughs> is, is it a made-for-TV movie? Such a made-for-TV movie. That's yep. what I heard. Oh, wow. Let's see. On uh, For TV, we got Project Blue Book, season one. I heard good things about this one. It has, uh, I think, Aiden Gillen. Carcetti uh, himself. Carcetti himself? Is, uh, is like <laughs> one of the stars on this show. I wanted to check this. It was on, I think it was on Sci-Fi. Um, <laughs> Let's see, on and specialty stuff we have on Criterion this week, a couple Jarmusch films, Night on Earth and Stranger Than Paradise. Oh, I love Night on Earth. I'm a big Jarmusch fan, so I'm happy that those got some Blu-ray upgrades. Absolutely. Check it out. 
Also on Shout Factor, we have The Legend of Seven Golden Vampires, which I believe is a vampire martial arts movie, which awesome. already has me interested. Yeah, that sounds amazing already. <laughs> and uh, Talk to Me. This is a bi- this is a biopic with uh, Don Cheadle from like a like it's a Cassie Lemons film back from mm. like two thousand five mm. or six I think with him in the Chewetology for okay I, uh, it has its moments it was about what's his name it's about a DJ from uh, DC um, I remember being uh, okay though it has a good soundtrack I remember that it's got a nice seventy soundtrack regardless that's on Shout Factory on streaming this week we have on Netflix the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina Part Two for fans it's of already series. it's already on uh, season two. I it's think it's like the part... second half it's... of the first oh, season. Oh, I yeah, see. Yeah, what, okay, yeah, gotcha. But at the same time, yeah. it's like the first half was like 10 episodes, which is like the normal season order for Netflix, and this one's like eight episodes. So, yeah. But I love the first half, so yeah, I'm, I, I can't right. wait to dig in. I haven't yet, but yeah, excited. We have the aforementioned Unicorn Store. That's on Netflix now. Mm-hmm. And um, Our Planet, which is a new Richard Attenborough narrated docuseries that's okay. on Netflix, which I'm sure probably has thrilling footage of animals and plant life all over the world that we're slowly losing. <laughs> um, depressing note to end on. Um, yeah. But I'll also note on Prime this week is The Tick Season 2. Anna and I spent some of the weekend watching all of this season. It is great. I have I, I actually watched the entire season 2, and I, yeah. I 100% agree. Yeah, It is a lot of fun. By the time this episode drops, my write-up of Season 2 will be on Wheel of Entertainment. Actually, Whoa. Um, but yeah, good good fun there with that show for sure. I was a big fan. I think it steps up. every, And I like Season 1 quite a bit, but I think yeah. it's, this one steps everything up from what it's established to make an even more fun Season 2. Um, all right, next week's show. Next week, we're going to be talking Missing Link, because we're big fans of Like on the show, and we'll oh, we see if them. we also talk about Hellboy also. Uh, we'll see what happens, because that's like the big wide release also. Um, in the meantime, the last thing we do here, what should people go and see now, and what do you plan to see next? Eric Eisenberg, what do people see in theaters right now? Uh, I mean, I will definitely, once again, recommend Shazam to uh, pretty much everybody. Uh, Us, I think, is absolutely fantastic. Uh, and as for, like, we're going for indie movies, if you can go see The Mustang, I actually really oh, recommend yeah. that as well. Cause oh. I, and I feel like that movie is just getting completely ignored, and uh, it's really powerful and really beautiful. And, yeah, so if you, can go, if, you, if you can find The Mustang in a theater near you, give it your money. What are you seeing next that you can tell us about, I guess? <laughs> uh, actually, well, uh, coming up, uh, I'm going to go see Longshot on Thursday, which I'm actually really looking forward to just as a big, not only uh, Charlize Theron and Seth Rogen fan, but I have a very so- a very nice, big soft spot in my heart for Jonathan Levine as a director. Yeah, I don't Levine think he's... Yeah, I, I don't think he's gotten nearly the shrift that he deserves from, like, the Wackness 50-50 uh, the night before. I mean, I, I think he has an incredible track record, and so very excited to see it. Warm Bodies is fun. I like Warm Bodies, Bodies is awesome, yeah. absolutely. That movie shouldn't be as fun as it is, but it's because of Jonathan Levine that it is, like, super, it excels. And totally. we find a cure for zombies. Yeah, exactly. Like, the color palette in that movie alone, just, like, the, the, how yeah. it, like, moves through the course of the film. Ah, it's stunning. I love yeah. that movie. So good. Scott Menzel, what do people see in the right theaters right now? Yeah. Um, I'm gonna well, I'm gonna echo Eric once again and say Shazam, of course. Um, I'm still going to go go to bat for Dumbo. Um, and then for some indie love, um, I want to actually support the public, which I feel is getting zero love whatsoever. That's the um, Amelia Estevez directed film. Yeah, it's great. And uh, I saw it at Toronto last year, and um, I saw that it opened a few, like a few little theaters here and there in L.A. But it's a great, great little film about um, you know a man who believes in the, the public library, but also deals with the homeless epidemic here in America. Uh-huh. I, I I was shocked by how much I liked this movie. Well, yeah, I've I've seen um, 
a lot of writing on it actually in recent yeah. weeks for obvious reasons because it's coming out and I, i'm certainly intrigued by it so yeah i want to yeah. check that out at some point I've seen the trailer for it and it was like oh wow Emilio Estevez directed this good on him and he wrote it yeah, he, he turns about every like half a decade it yeah. seems it comes along with a new movie <laughs> i didn't check out his last one i think it was rfk or something like that yeah, yeah there was was bobby that was yeah. Oh, that was Bobby. That was it, yeah. Yeah, there was uh, The Way from a little while back with Martin Sheen that I actually like quite a bit. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that movie. Yeah. Uh, Abe, what have you, what have you, what do you... uh, I mean, uh, I'd recommend Shazam as well. Um, And then next, uh, Missing Link. Yeah, Shazam for sure. Us is really good. I know Apollo 11 is still out there. Is that still playing? So I'm going to continue recommending it because I think it's quite good. And uh, and High Life, I, I liked High Life quite a bit, so I would you know recommend it. Uh, presumably Hellboy will be the next thing that I'm seeing. Um, but I'm also seeing a movie called uh, Fast Color, a little movie called Fast Color this week too. So we'll see mm-hmm. how that goes. Okay. Uh, with all that said, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Out Now with Aaron and Abe. You can find more of my work on my personal blog, thecodezeek.com. All my written reviews over end up over there. You can also find me on We Live Entertainment and WhysoBlue.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Abe, find me on Instagram Abe.Moore, Twitter.com slash Walrus Moose hashtag Shazam. Uh, and uh, sub 640 the podcast. Eric Eisenberg, where, where can people find more of you online? Uh, you can find all my work over at cinemablend.com. Uh, I host a weekly cinema, or hero, uh, hero, a superhero podcast called Hero Blend, which is a new episode every single Friday. And on Twitter, I am at E. Eisenberg. Great. Scott Benzel, where can people find you? You can find me over at weliveentertainment.com. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at the other Scott M. Um, I'm on two shows over at the uh, Popcorn Talk Network. Uh, the first one is Meet the Movie Press, which I do every Friday morning at 9 a.m. And, of course, LAOFCS Weekly, which is every Friday at 11 a.m. All right. Great. You can find all the other you can find all the other episodes about now there and Abe on iTunes, Audio Boom, Spotify, and Stitcher. Here are our episodes over at HHWLD, SoundCloud, or Podomatic. Feel free to email us any thoughts you might have had on today's episode over at outnowpodcast at gmail.com. Right on our wall, facebook.com slash outnowpodcast, or tweet at us at twitter.com slash podcast. And send us plenty of scary clown gifts of Pennywise or the Joker now at outnowpodcast.tumblr.com. We don't need those. We need plenty of those, <laughs> guaranteed. Direct them to Abe, for sure. Scott, Eric, thank you both for joining us this thank evening. Thank you both. Anytime. Thank you. Good, good to have you guys on here. I think it was a lot of fun. Thank you to the listeners for all the feedback and everything. We'll be back next week talking about Sasquatch and other things. But until next time, so long. And goodbye. A sneaker, chicken tikka, masala, at a gala event. I represent that stupid, that's for sure. You'd be like, oh yeah, Adam, real mature. I like a lettuce, tomatoes, and monster on by. All this cheese gonna make me cry. Gorgonzola, propadone. Started on this microphone. I'm blowing up like my name is Joe Bazooka. I'm a super duper MC party pooper on a track so sick and make you feel all queasy and make you do like Fred Seven. This is where I put some of the trailer for Shazam. Uh, I don't even know how to be in this thing. That's my uh, that's my Zachary that's Levi. Zachary Levi. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I can't do Jaimon because it's too specific, but I did find him hilarious in this movie. Uh, He's great. Weirdly, the trailer seems to mask him. Like, I was watching this, like, it seems like it wants to hide that it's Jaimon. And I'm like, why are you hiding Jaimon? He's the star of the show. You can't really hide that voice. It's because he was yeah. in a Marvel movie earlier this year, and they don't want people true. to get confused. Yeah. I guess, right? Because like, I was watching... Paycheck, son. Because I kept thinking about it, I was like, he's like really shaded, and they're only showing his hair in the trailers, where it's like, it's Jaimon! <laughs> like, he's, yeah. he's all over the place. This guy's he's all hunched over and in the yeah. shadows, and yeah. Yeah.
Anyway. <clears throat> yeah. Anyway. All right. 